Hi, I'm Jen. I'm Sophia. And I'm Serena. And you're listening to Every Rom-Com, the podcast where we have fun taking romantic comedy seriously. This week on Every Rom-Com, we're stretching the definition of romantic comedy yet again as we talk about a rom-com hiding inside a summer blockbuster action movie. We'll get into some science with a look at tornadoes and the people who chase them. And we'll give some love to a great non-traditional female romantic and action lead as we talk about the 1996 Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton movie, Twister. Welcome back, Serena. Thanks. Thanks for inviting me back. Yeah, like so we already talked about it, but Serena, if if you are interested to tell the listeners some of the cool stuff you've been up to while you were gone from the show. I'm I sure. did I did a little bit of traveling during our pandemic times. I took a trip to Iceland, um, which was amazing. A little uh, a, a few rough patches. It, it is um, hard to travel internationally right now. I had to take a lot of tests, um, go through a lot of uh, red tape, but it was definitely worth it. I had a great time. Um, we had a lot of fun going around a portion of Iceland. It's a beautiful country. I 100% recommend going there if you ever get the chance. I definitely want to go back. So, and didn't yeah. you see like a volcano? Or- yeah, so they do have an active volcano right now. So you can literally just hike out to a lookout point and watch a volcano erupting. And we did that two times uh, while we wow. were there. And everywhere we went, everyone just was like, you have to see the volcano. You have to see it. This is like a once in a lifetime thing. And it really is. Um, it was uh, mind blowing. Uh, to be able, to, it's actually the second active volcano I've seen. I saw another one in in Vanuatu a few years ago, but um, mm-hmm. this one felt a lot different because we went twice, and within the week, it had actually like changed. It's it's literally wow. watching like the Earth being formed. Like it's <gasps> it's amazing. If you get a chance to go like like now and they don't know when it's going to stop erupting. So that's the oh, thing wow. as well is that it could stop at any time. So that's why they were like, you need to go right now because you don't know um, if it's going to stop or not. So so like it's you know, there's not like a village at the base of this volcano. No, um, okay. it's, it's, it is within a national park already. So there's also like okay. I, I guess like Iceland's a very active place anyways. So it was already within like a active volcano site. It's just not all of the volcanoes are active right now. That okay. Sure. Wild. Just thinking about like, you know, our theme here, natural disaster, like yeah. just thinking about people who live like right by active volcanoes. Or, yeah. Like what? You- I mean, <laughs> it, it makes you think about like what happened in the big island of Hawaii as well when yeah. that um, yeah. volcano went off and like destroyed big parts of the island. So it's definitely um, uh, the people of Iceland are definitely watching it and watching the other volcanoes, like making sure that, you know, wow. they don't have any disasters. Well, like Sophia says, it's like very relevant to our theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, I was going to ask you guys, what has been your experience, if any, with tornadoes? We have all lived in Wisconsin. I still live in Wisconsin. And 
Sophia, you're Minnesota. Minneapolis isn't really in tornado alley so yeah, much. Anymore. Yeah, a little well, bit. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm in St. Paul, but yeah, there's yeah. every first Wednesday of every month. You know, at one o'clock, the the siren goes off. The test. So, have you ever been um, near a tornado that you know of? Like, I know that like I've gone down to the basement for warnings like growing up that was pretty common and sometimes I was such a scaredy cat that I would actually go down just when there was a watch I would like get the (laughs) guinea pigs like all in their box and I'd take them down to the basement and hang out with them because I wasn't taking any chances yeah (laughs) for sure um there were some there were you know close Close calls, like it was, you know, maybe there was a touchdown like a mile away, which is not far, but far enough, you know, like, so nothing, nothing is a definitely a f- scared as a kid if it got what looked to be serious, yeah. but actually never experienced tornadoes till I lived in Brooklyn as the because <laughs> they were two, two, two tornadoes uh, that touched down in, in Brooklyn while mm-hmm. I was there. Yeah, Ooh, weird. That, well, right. One of them, um, I was I was in graduate school and I was getting off the subway from work, going to class, and so I get out from the subway and the sky turns really dark and there's like a crack of thunder and I'm like, oh my, like storms <laughs> like that don't seem to happen in this in in New York City. I we would joke about that as being mid- midwesterners and we're like, man, we just want a real good storm and like um so I hightailed it to my 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 school, my building and come to find out that like a few minutes later this tornado had gone through Brooklyn and it was like, what? <laughs> And then when I, I mean, it didn't take long. It was only a couple of minutes. But then when I, a few hours later, when I came home, like brick had been ripped off buildings and, and then it was wild. That was in 2010, but there had been a bigger one in 2007. And that had been the first time in 118 years that a tornado had gone through Brooklyn. Hmm. So yes. Wow. Yeah. Tornadoes in Brooklyn and hurricanes. So that was something I never wanted to experience, but did. So Serena, do you remember any like tornado experiences? Like, um, yeah, I definitely remember having, and the way our house was set up is that we had like an outdoor cellar that we went into (laughs) kind of similar to Mm -hmm. um, in, in Twister. Like you had to kind of go outside of the house. It was still like underneath the house, but you couldn't access it from inside the house. So you had to go outside and go in there. And it was like really scary down there, like really scary, like not like a normal basement. Yeah. And I remember having to go down there and being like really freaked out because that's like where the salamanders lived and stuff. Um, Yeah. I remember some pretty like exaggerated, like tornado drills in school, Oh, yeah. Um, yeah that happening. Cool. And also, um, later on, when I was a, a camp counselor, we did some pretty extensive like tornado drills, like with the kids. And actually, we actually had a couple of like watches or warnings, which was like really chaotic. But I don't ever remember there being any like uh, significant like damage or anything like touching down that yeah, aff- yeah. affected me personally. Yeah, same, same. I just remembered, too, that once I actually had to help evacuate, like, people into the basement when I was working, I think at Killwind's Fudge. I remember that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes. You were, wait, you weren't working at Killwind's. I wasn't. I was in town, though, either at my parents, you know, 
shop or or something but i remember that yes yeah and i was like getting all the tourists on the street were just sort of milling around and i was getting them all into like the basement of that tiny little strip mall thing downtown oh yeah yeah i remember that well yeah because <laughs> we were older we were a little older uh, and the only oh sorry yeah. my only other tornado story i was traveling to through texas and oklahoma when i was a kid with my parents and i'd overslept at the hotel and my parents were grumbling that i made us late but then apparently by making us late we had just missed this like probably a brush with an actual tornado because we yeah. were driving in this terrible severe weather and like later we found out that if we'd left a little earlier we would have been right in the middle of it but mm. the severe weather was scary enough as it was and my mom said that at the time i was screaming i don't want to die in texas <laughs> fair enough <laughs> and she thought that was so funny anyway <laughs> okay so so um, before we get started with today's episode, normal things. Um, first, like in most episodes, we're going to have a spoiler-free section at the beginning, and then we're going to warn you when we are about to start the spoiler section. We'd also like to remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Romcom Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram is at Every Romcom, and our Twitter handle is at Every Romcom Pod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And now, let's listen to a little bit of the trailer for Twister. There is a mystery. Elusive. Unpredictable. Violent. It terrifies most scientists. But for a new breed, the challenge is saving lives. The research is deadly. The laboratory is nature itself. And potentially uh, could be a storm that has a wind in excess. Okay, so I cut that trailer way short because <laughs> yeah. the whole it's a, it's just a visual trailer. It's just yeah. like yeah. storm porn. Just like yeah. nothing but storm <laughs> images. It's yeah. like that's like really it, scary from <laughs> Yeah. Dude, I remember when that trailer came out because I was like anticipating that movie. So yeah, and it was like really like good looking like CG and like effects in general. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so that's Twister. Came out in 1996, written by Michael Crichton and Anne Marie Martin, directed by Jan de Bont, starring Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. And the basic premise of this movie is we've got Dr. Joe Harding, played by Helen Hunt, is leading a team of storm chasers who are hoping to get near enough to a tornado to launch an invention into its funnel that has sensors which can measure how a tornado works. And she's motivated to do this because her father died in a tornado when she was a child. Meanwhile, Bill Harding, who used to work with the team and was married to Joe, he arrives to try to get Joe to sign divorce papers along with his fiancée, Melissa. 
And the day Bill arrives, like it's just coincidentally filled with an unprecedented number of storms and tornadoes. So Bill begins to follow the team at first in order to get the divorce papers signed, but he's gradually drawn back into the storm chasing life and towards the life he once shared with Joe. So some interesting facts about the film. It grossed 495 million worldwide the second highest grossing movie of 96 uh, independence day was number one. Uh, and depending on who you ask, uh, it cost 70 to 90 million to make. And Jan de Bont uh, insisted on filming on location in Oklahoma with some filming in Iowa and Ontario as well. And it was a very physically challenging shoot, including Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt being temporarily blinded by special lights brought in to create a dark sky effect. And they had to wear special dark glasses for days to heal. According to the director on the commentary, Joss Whedon uh, is an uncredited script doctor. Um, And specifically the scene when Bill first arrives to get the divorce papers and we meet Joe and the crew, Jan credits Joss for that scene and um, Joss Whedon is also uncredited script doctor for Speed and I want you to know friends note that I'm going to call this Joss's uh, script work when um, Joe is fiddling with the machine she goes and it sparks she goes fuck me and in Speed the Keanu Reeves character said when he sees the big bomb under the bus he goes fuck me so there you go proof (laughs) his signature in the film um so a reboot may be in development according to Wikipedia but no actors are attached to it and there's a Twister Museum in Wakita Oklahoma one of the film's locations Okay, so like, when did you all see this film? Did you see it in theaters when it first came out? I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I, I have seen it at home before this. Mm-hmm. I remember. Where, do you think really it was popular. in the '90s? Do you think oh, it was in the '90s? Sure. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. definitely in the '90s. And so, were you working at the theater that summer <clears throat> with, with me, or was that a year you weren't working at the theater? It must have been not, because I feel like I. Re- I remember the films that i saw over and over and over again yeah. so this wasn't one of them it must have been okay yeah on then. if you were if you were working at the carmike geneva four theater in 1996 that summer <laughs> you would have seen this movie and because we had i think it was there like it opened sometime in may and i think it was there almost the entire summer mm, like okay. in one theater and it was in theater one which was if you, you guys worked there the big yeah, theater the big one uh-huh, it was yeah. in the big theater mm-hmm. for like 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 at least over a month, maybe like two months, like, which is mm-hmm. unprecedented, probably until Independence Day came, came out, honestly. And um, I just remember like that summer, like on my lunch breaks at the theater, like I would have my McDonald's, like they went on the McDonald's run and I'd take my hamburger in the theater. And it was almost always the cow scene. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm eating the hamburger while a cow flies by on the screen. Like it just seems sort of, so that's like one of my defining images from that summer. And it was just one of those movies that a lot of people took their breaks in because like it's, you could pick up at any time and like Mm -hmm. i remember really liking the movie when it came out and i never kind of got bored of it Mm -hmm. and i think like having watched it twice in one week for the podcast is a bit much but i still it's one i'll rewatch it pretty much once a year almost by accident you know it's it's just one of those movies that's around huh how about you guys how's your opinion of it changed Oh, when I was watching, I was kind of thinking that um, a young Helen Hunt looked like a young you. 
What? I saw like a lot of similarities. Oh. I was like, oh, it kind of looks like Jennifer. Okay. <laughs> well, nice. thanks. She's pretty, uh, she's pretty foxy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I saw it when, you know, shortly after it came out, I don't think it was at the theater. And so I haven't seen it since. So I was really interested to see how uh, the special effects held up. So my husband and I watched it together and we had a good time with some things that seemed kind of corny and a little dated, but honestly, the effects, well, we also have to know that it, it was industrial light and magic. Yeah. Um, but also practical effects. They had a combination. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Like, yeah. It, it, I think it holds up nicely. Like, there's not anything so glaringly like that's dumb. Well, maybe one part, but um. <laughs> yeah, you can let us know what that part is later. <laughs> yes, I, will. I will. <laughs> yeah. So overall, good opinion of the movie. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, like, we'll we'll go over the cast and crew really quick. Um, in brief. So, let's see. The director is Jan de Bont, as we mentioned. He's originally from the Netherlands. And he has only five directing credits. He's actually mostly known as a cinematographer, but he has like 64 cinematography credits, including Die Hard. Prior to Twister, he had directed another action film with a rom-com element, Speed. So like if I had to pick like um, two movies that almost perfectly balance action and rom-com, it would probably be this and Speed. And when we when I was thinking of double feature recommendations, Speed was the first thing that came to mind before I knew that Jan de Bont had even directed it. Same, so, same. So, yeah, same. so I think that's kind of cool. Um, and post-Twister, um, Jan de Bont directed Speed 2 Cruise Control, and he also wrote it. I have never seen it. I heard it was terrible, but now I kind of want to see it. Have you guys seen Speed 2 Cruise Control? <laughs> no. no, because it was terrible. It was so- <laughs> now I need to see it, I think, just to like see what Jan de Bont's up to. Um, he also directed The Haunting um, and Laura Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. So the writers for this were Michael Crichton and Anne-Marie Martin. Michael Crichton's books have sold over 200 million copies, and he does have a medical degree, and a lot of his books and screenplays are sci-fi technology-based. A lot of them are really familiar to us. He wrote and directed Westworld. He wrote the novel and screenplay for Jurassic Park, as well as Coma and the Great Train Robbery in the 70s. And he also wrote the novels Congo and Disclosure, uh, which were pretty popular in the 90s i think uh Anne marie martin was his wife at the time she was also an actress in tv known for sledgehammer <laughs> i remember that show days of that? our lives <laughs> and movies including prom night no other um she doesn't have any other writing credits and no acting credits post the 80s so and then of course there's helen hunt and she plays dr joe harding and she was a child actress um According to IMDb, uh, she started acting at the age of 10 and did a lot of TV work. Um, And her father is Gordon Hunt, um, described as a respected director and acting coach. And pre-Twister, movies include Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Peggy Sue Got Married, she plays Peggy's daughter, um, and best known for the TV series Mad About You, which started in 1992. Prominent post-Twister roles, As Good As It Gets, Cast Away, What Women Want, and she did a lot of other work on lesser-known projects or in supporting roles. She won Best Actress in 98 for As Good As It Gets and four Emmys for Mad About You. Uh, She also has 13 directing credits, mostly TV, has also wrote, directed, and starred in two features, Ride, a surf movie with romance with Luke Wilson. 
And um, and then she found me. It's a comedy drama romance with Bette Midler, Colin Firth, and Matthew Broderick. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to introduce Bill Paxton, who's like, oh man, I'm so sorry that he's dead because he's just like, he's he's awesome. Like Mm -hmm. he plays Bill Harding. Bill. (laughs) I love it when actors play characters with their name. It's always funny to me. Anyway. Um, his first IMDb credit was in 1975, and his dad is also listed as an actor and producer, but Bill Paxton's IMDb credits actually predate his father's. So I don't mm. think it was like an, uh, one of those situations like Helen Hunt where their parents maybe got them into the industry. I think maybe his dad got in after he got in. Um, some of Bill Paxton's pre-twister roles include Weird Science, Aliens, which like I'm sure is one of the things he's most famous for, like Game over, man. Game over. <laughs> he was also in the, the vampire movie Near Dark. He was in Next of Kin. And the only reason I re- mentioned this one is Helen Hunt is also in that one. So they'd acted oh. together before. Um, he was in Predator 2, uh, One False Move, Tombstone, True Lies, and Apollo 13. Mm. And then after Twister, some of his notable roles include Titanic, A Simple Plan, Big Love, the television show, Edge of Tomorrow, and Nightcrawler. And he's also done some writing, and he directed a crime thriller called Frailty and a historical golf movie called The Greatest Game Ever Played. So hmm. with Shia LaBeouf, I saw like the, the trailer oh. for him. Yeah, it seemed really random. But um, unfortunately, Bill Paxton died in 2017 at age 61 of a stroke following a surgery. And yeah, like he'll be much missed. Mm-hmm. So sad. Uh, some of the other um, actors and actresses. Uh, we have Jamie Gertz. She played Dr. Melissa Reeves. Uh, she's previously known as Star in The Lost Boys. I couldn't place where I knew her yeah, from. Exactly. And then I saw that exactly. and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and Solar <laughs> Babies. She, <laughs> she also tried out as a rom-com lead in early 90s projects like Jersey Girl, um, not the Kevin Smith one and the boyfriend school, which I have not seen either of those. Yeah, they yet. both kind of disappeared. I guess they decided she wasn't a romantic lead. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, she has continued acting and she's in a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Okay, guys. Carrie always what? Uh, he plays Dr. Jonas Miller, aka the evil meteorologist, and he's a foe of our protagonists here and so we're just going to talk briefly about him because we're going to go into depth when we cover princess bride because yes we will and so other than princess bride he has a very eclectic career including everything from the crush to bram stoker's uh dracula to robin hood men in tights to saw and the recent black christmas remake um, and he has like eight things in post production at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I think Carrie always is having a comeback a little bit. Like, yeah, I don't know. he's uh, always yeah. been working, but he's kind of been in the periphery, and I think he's coming uh-huh. back. Yeah. And then, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I know. So, Serena, didn't you say you forgot that he was in this I one? I did. Yeah, I totally yeah. forgot until he came on. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's when he was playing yeah. those really like memorable um, yeah. co star roles where yep. he was like, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, Boogie Nights and yep. he yep. to Mr. Ripley. And it yep. was, you always remembered him because he played such great like supporting roles. Exactly. 
Yeah, and like this is the first time I noticed like he'd been in other feature films before Twister, but Twister's the first one like I remembered his character though when he played Dusty. And it's like a, a character that could have easily been really forgettable, but he makes him so memorable. And he's so much of the comic relief. And the same year that he did Twister, he appeared in Paul Thomas Anderson's first feature film, Hard Eight. And that was kind of a critical breakout for him. And that, of course, led to his next critical breakout, like as you mentioned in 1997's mm. Boogie Nights. Like that is when Ugh. he kind of became really mainstream, I think. And then in, Ugh, from 1998 so on, he was just like everywhere. Like he was at, played a really important role in the movie Happiness, directed by Todd Solons. He's in The Big Lebowski, The Talented Mr. Ripley, like you said, almost famous. Mm, um, love that. And he won an Oscar for the movie Capote, playing Truman Capote in 2006. And then he was nominated three more times for Charlie Wilson's War, Doubt, and The Master. And then, like, soon before he died, he had taken on the role in The Hunger Games, and he appeared in Catching Fire and Mockingjays Part 1 and 2. And sadly, very sadly, he died in 2014 at the age of 46 um, from a drug overdose. And I think like he was one of the best actors of our lifetime. Mm. And I just like and appreciate him in any role. And like some people might think that this role in Twister is like a small thing. But like, I think it takes a lot to make that. He's always there. He's always inhabiting that role in the movie. And it's so important to mm-hmm. kind of liven it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spent yesterday like just reading about when he passed away and then um, just thinking about his kids and um, just like getting really sad about it. Yeah. And just remembering Mr. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I remember it being uh, affecting a lot of people that I didn't think like he would have even cared or like followed his career um, that were like really upset by his passing. And I was like, wow, he just really, I guess he just Mm -hmm. had such a presence and you didn't even really think about it. So moving on, we have uh, Lois Smith played Meg Green or Aunt Meg. Um, she's been in a lot of things. She's very familiar when she comes on screen. Her first IMDb credit is in 1951. Um, some other notable projects are Fried Green Tomatoes, Minority Report, How to Make an American Quilt, and True Blood. And apparently she's going to be in Wes Anderson's upcoming The French Dispatch, which I'm really excited to to yeah. see when that finally she's gets released. She's like 91 years old and Is she's she? been acting forever and she's done stage work and like she, yes, Lois Smith. I love that. 91. Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. Love that. Okay, so before we get into the the movie today a little more, um I just wanted to talk about why Twister. So <laughs> Twister um why Twister on this podcast um, about romantic comedies. And um I was trying to think of summer rom-coms like for our summer series and Twister just kept coming up in my mind as like a movie that reminds me of summer, but also like a movie that I remember a lot for its romantic content. And like, while it's not technically a rom-com, like nobody would classify it as such, there are a lot of rom-com elements inside the movie. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about like how many action movies, like really one of the most memorable things about them are their like romantic couple. Mm-hmm. So some other <laughs> examples of that, Han and Leia in Star Wars Indiana Jones, like, always has a romantic interest in all of his movies. The story of Robin Hood and Maid Marian, like, mm-hmm. Armageddon, the Jurassic Park movies, there's all these, and even the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's so many love stories tied up in that. And when I was a kid, like, I loved romance, but there were so few of them. But I was always, like, 
into whatever couple was in whatever action or sci-fi movie I was mm-hmm. watching. I was always like shipping the couples and like really loving that aspect of the movie. Like Empire Strikes Back for me, my brother was all about Yoda and Dagobah. And I love that part too, but I was all about Han and Leia and like C-3PO. So yeah. So you guys have any like, f- like favorite action rom-com or not action romantic couples? Uh, what kind of came to mind for me is again bringing up you know the the new star trek reboots yeah uh-huh, you, you uh-huh. know those and so they yeah. did like this love thing between ahura and spock That's yeah. Right. Which, yeah which i found really fascinating like i just uh-huh. i don't know it, it was just such a weird combination and they had a lot of there was a lot of comedy that went along with that relationship that mm-hmm. i don't know i just i always loved and it was never something like I had thought about because I, I guess there was like romance in the original Star Trek, but it was more like, you know, Captain Kirk with like sure. a, a green space alien. You know what I mean? Like it didn't have that, that depth. Green space. <laughs> it wasn't that like depth that they were exploring with like Spock and Ahura. And I don't know. I just that's what came to mind when you said yeah, that. For yeah, for sure. Uh, we talked about speed. I I love that film for its that relationship with yeah. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. They, their chemistry is so hot. Oh yeah. Um, so that's a good one. Um, I, you know, I, I, I can't think, I mean, there's so many and I can't think of anything yeah. off the top of my that's head, okay. but I'm with you in that. Like if there's this love romantic element, I'm, I'm all about that. If it's in an yeah. action film. Mm-hmm. The presence of romance in action films, too, like it kind of has a spectrum. Like there's stuff like Romancing the Stone, which is clearly more rom-com in its DNA, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. but it has a lot of action in it to like stuff where there's basically no romance. Like there is stuff like that, like Jaws or like movies where the romance is just really an aside. Like in Die Hard, like, yeah, he's trying to help his wife, but like at the same time, it's mostly just shooting, right? Right, 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 (laughs) right. it's It's this whole spectrum. And I think Twister is actually pretty far over in my opinion on the romantic side of that spectrum. So like, mm. that, that's one reason I wanted to choose it because the woman is clearly in this movie, the woman is clearly the the lead, right? She's the one making a lot of decisions. You get a lot of her perspective and emotional stuff in her arc. And then the romance is like one of the main plots of the mm-hmm. movie, really. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And there's actual downtime in the movie devoted to conversations about the romantic plot, which you don't always get. Like, there's, it's not even just only talking during the action parts. There's an actual quiet conversation section about it with like mm-hmm. girl music playing and everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. So, Lisa Loeb. I mean, yeah, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like there's there's enough things in in Twister that are like sort of more coded rom-com that I'm just like, yeah, this this movie can work for our podcast. And also I just can't imagine Twister really working without the romantic subplot. I mean, maybe they could have come up with a different one, but I don't think the evil meteorologist team would be enough. Like what do you guys right. think? Right. I no, with you, right? So yeah, so so think about this the next time you're watching an action movie though. Like like so many of them will have romantic scenes and I think they're so important to action movies in a way that isn't really appreciated. People will kind of shun rom-coms or romance movies, but like it's a very important part of human life to the extent that it's even put in shoot 'em up movies and traditionally male genres. Whether shoot 'em up movies or like dude movies or whatever want to acknowledge the importance of like these stories, they need to have a human connection. Otherwise, like I don't know, just one blow up after another, one shoot 'em up after another, like I think what drives a story is your connection to another human it makes you give a shit right makes you care like so 
And you can have that without romance, I guess. Like something like Reservoir Dogs, you've got the human connection between the the different criminals. But yeah, yeah, you got to put it in there somewhere. Yeah, yes. And I mean, it could be like, you know, family members, whatever, but like love. There's a there's a human connection, yeah. a caring about another human being uh, to some yeah. degree. Okay, so we're going to get into the movie now. So the opening scene, it's 1969, uh, and there's a tornado warning on the TV, and there's a young Joe um, in bed, but there's, you know, dad's walking around and listening to the news, and, and this storm, this tornado is approaching. And so they get her out of bed, and the mom, and they're running, and <laughs> the dog, they just leave in the bed? And then, I, I know, I, I, I thought that too, adults. like, don't forget to call the dog. Like, But there's two adults, like, one of them's carrying Joe, the other one could clearly carry the dog, right? Yes. I don't know. I'm with you. Um, or at least call the dog straight away, not as, like, an afterthought. Um, and, oh, one more thing about the dog. I think the dog's supposed to look like Toto and Yes, of Oz. exactly. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yes. In, in fact... Uh, Jan comments on the commentary that they wanted to call it Toto. I think they couldn't. <laughs> Toby. They called um, it but Toby. they call it, his name is Toby. So <laughs> yes, it's very much. Sp- so they run out to the cellar area um, that's not attached to the house at all. And in fact, my husband said as we were watching, he's like, I'm really a fan of the attached basement. <laughs> 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 I know the idea of having to like run out there uh, and hope you make it. Um so that okay, there are a few problems. I agree. Like they they get down to the cellar, and the dad bolts the the cellar door, but it's it's starting to rattle. Like the the storm is coming and the wind is coming, so he goes to hold on to it, and he's holding on to it. And I'm thinking the whole time, you wouldn't do that. <laughs> like you wouldn't try to hold on to it, and and then no one else gets sucked out of the seller but him i don't you know had he yeah, just like stayed down with everybody yeah. he would have been fine and the door would have come off and okay i don't know so yeah it's, like and- to back up to back up really quick for people who haven't seen the movie like he's holding yeah. onto the door and the door gets like literally sucked up into this tornado with him holding on to it yeah, yeah yeah uh and so you know joe witnesses this and it kind of ser- it serves as her motivation throughout the rest of the film this huge tornado that killed her dad yeah and the dog does live the dog made it into the, the shelter dog lives. <laughs> yeah. so then the, the movie then transitions to the modern day and it does one of those 90s things where you see the earth from space you know mm-hmm. like that was like so big in the 90s i feel like let's show some technology it's a satellite and it's, it says it's the goes uh satellite weather satellite which was a real satellite i think there's a series of them that have been sent up there over time. That one has been since retired, that specific one. And then they transfer from that to the NSSL, which is the National Severe Storm Laboratory. And there's these like, throughout the movie, occasionally you'll see these like generic meteorologist characters that you never get to know anything about, just talking techno babble about the storms and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it kind of makes it seem more official, I guess. You know, uh-huh. it's like yes. one of those things like, this is reality. This is a real movie with right. science. Uh, right. But and it like, is random. Like you never have any like there's there's no backstory. These are yeah, these are props. What I, it's what really I really funny. wish I really wish that there was like some kind of love triangle going on at the same time in the NSSL yeah. laboratory. Like and I in my in my head I've have a headcanon now that this the old guy with the gray hair is like trying to woo the young lady I know. in the <laughs> NSSL. 
Yes. So yeah, just to give it a little spice. And then this the NSSL is a real place, though. It's located in the National Weather Center in Norman, Oklahoma. So yeah, a lot the whole movie, very Oklahoma-centric. Mm-hmm. So we start getting into some uh, character intros. We see Bill and Melissa are driving together and it's established that they're trying to get married, but they need Joe um, to sign divorce papers. Um, Bill is going to be a meteorologist. It kind of sounds like one of those cheesy meteorologists like on TV. They don't really go into detail, but that's what they mean, right? Um, Which I, I guess is not cool and <laughs> in their world it's not cool yeah, to me, sounds like a perfectly amazing. good job to yeah. me you know, <laughs> yeah. gets paid a lot and gets like a 401k but whatever um and uh the whole time uh melissa's on her cell phone and it's a very 90s cell phone of course watching it now that was one of the biggest things uh that you knew right away that it was the 90s was the the giant like brick cell phone well yeah Um, but i also wanted to point out like that was still during the time period where if you had a cell phone in a movie it like meant something right yeah like it meant that you were like obsessed with your work or that you were that you were like really important like important enough that you needed to always be contactable but it could also mean you were a jerk. Like, like so could it be, mean a lot of different things in the 90s? But, like, mm-hmm. I feel like it was trying to make Melissa seem out of touch with the, the rest of the people around mm-hmm. her. You know yeah. what I mean? But today it's just like, oh, that's a really crappy cell phone. <laughs> like, she, like, she's always distracted yeah. by her phone, um, which she is. She's always talking to her patients. Um, and later we find out she's a reproductive therapist, which apparently you need to be on, on call for that. Um <laughs> she she's very put together she's very put together like in a feminine way like Uh right Uh like she's very put she's very put together she's like this white suit and these earrings and this really nice haircut and so she's like not only put together but she's like i think the costuming is designed to make her look very feminine and kind of contrast her i kind of thought it made her look more like professional okay yeah, in, yeah. in a cookie cutter way because like bill's about to go into like a more cookie cutter professional um okay work environment and so is she so they kind of are matching each other that's what i okay. thought about okay. it and then and then once we get introduced to joe um we see a completely different side of a, a professional woman at work so she's like wearing a white tank top she's got khakis on she's all dirty she's uh, on top of a roof fixing a roof of a car fixing a satellite and she's obviously in charge i think they refer to her at some point as like boss or yeah yeah. they refer to her as that um she's definitely in charge and you know there's a lot of the technical jargon and terms being thrown around so um you kind of get these two contrasts when you see uh, Melissa and Joe. And then we get introduced to um, more of the crew. Dusty, we talked about earlier, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's a typical 90s, late 90s, like stoner, I guess hippie kind of fashion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Classic rock. Greets Bill as the extreme. Um, and then the rest of <laughs> the rest of Joe's crew. And, yeah, wait, uh, wait. I don't want to dust over Dusty. We got we to okay. get more into Dusty really quick. Yeah, like he, Bill comes up and he's like, it's the extreme and he's like always like talking like really loud and he's just got this very big presence like of the crew like dusty is the one yeah. that, I think that sticks out the most mm-hmm. and probably is meant to stick out the most but he's always he, think, saying things are intense or awesome like and he's just like that kind of guy like there wasn't necessarily one word for it but you would see that kind of guy everywhere in the 90s yeah. uh-huh. like kind yeah. of a throwback 70s kind yeah. of like guy uh-huh. 
you know but he's also he also kind of is like a creeper like he's very handsy yeah. with everybody yeah, i'm like Ew, stop touching the whip <laughs> yeah yeah um, it's weird it's weird because it's kind of a joke that bill sends dusty to hang over with melissa and then he's being like kind of inappropriate like yeah we'll I get know. to that in a minute yeah we'll get to that in a minute yeah okay i want to go back though to the comparison between melissa and joe right sure. so bill says about joe she forgets everything except her work you know and i i was thinking about this in the way that they're dressed like fine that you know melissa's she's wearing a suit and she's got you know her earrings and the haircut or whatever but like she is a powerful working woman right she uh-huh. is into her job all the time with the phone and the blah 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 and so is joe you know they're both in light colors i'm like why are they both wearing white like what is with these white <laughs> and like why is joe wearing white but they're both in white but they're they're their working clothes look different but they're both into their jobs and so if anything i think bill's got a type he likes a strong woman who Uh, you know is independent and what have you um but why is joe being everything into her work like why is that kind of frowned upon and not melissa well i think it's more to do with their history i think like later when you hear bill talk about their marriage it's more to do with like when they're working together joe's so into the work that she forgets about like maybe taking a moment like to remember Bill and their life together. You know what I mean? And we'll see that play out in her reaction to some of the tornadoes too. Whereas Melissa's on the phone, but then she also has moments where she's like just talking with Bill, thinking about Bill, comforting him, whatever. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think their manners are a little bit different and we come to see that. But yeah, he definitely likes a strong woman. He to both of his ladies he's interested in are doctors, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but, what about the rest the, of the crew? The rest crew of the here? crew. Okay, okay, it's like, like recall off the top of your head how many of the other people you can remember. Like, uh, or give a re- random description of them. Like when okay. Cameron Cameron shows up and I was like, oh, okay, it's yeah. Cameron. I didn't even <laughs> notice that. So explain. Yes. Explain to yes. the listeners because I didn't even notice. My husband pointed it out. Okay, I so Cameron saw. is like a pivotal character in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He plays like Matthew Broderick's like friend, I guess, mm-hmm. and a very significant 80s role so whatever his name is alan ruck i think his nickname Uh in the the movie was rabbit not sure why but i know why rabbit because he's in he's getting into everything he's the maps guy so there's two drivers right it's rabbit and his driver buddy the the driver buddy drives and rabbit does the does the mapping you know he's the he's the navigation guy um and then there's uh (laughs) <laughs> and I remember I them now because I tried, but I want to see what you guys remember. I know there's like another couple, a guy and a girl, and the guy's got like a little like scraggly beard. Then there's the other guy with the full beard and the glasses, and then there's this other <laughs> dude with dark hair. Like they all just are these like ragtag dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I want to say one more thing about the rabbit guy, Cameron. He's yeah. also in Speed. And he's on okay. the bus for most of the So I, I love oh, that he shows right. up. He is on the bus. He's the tourist. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. He's, okay. Yes. Okay. Fuck. I love that. <laughs> I love, and he's hilarious in there. He's got all the funny lines. He's like, yeah. I've already been to the airport. You know, like, that's <laughs> so great. So. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I I always remember that there was one other woman, right? And yep. I kept waiting for her to speak more. That's one thing about Twister. I wish the other woman crew member had gotten to speak more. But, yeah, and then there's, like, one of the beardy guys is, like, kind of 
very sophisticated seeming and plays classical music and shit. And the yeah. other beardy guy seems to be like their intern from the local college or something. And he later shows up in Lost. So, <laughs> so yeah. But one thing that Jan de Bone said is when he was casting this, like he wanted these all these actors to seem like real people, like that you could just run into, like kind of nerdy, like sciencey people, like not like famous actors. He wanted a crew of just like regular people who would kind of blend in and seem like a team. And they totally do. Yeah, they do. It's just like really only Dusty makes like a huge impression. And I guess if you recognize Cameron, which I failed to. Totally recognize him. I love him. He sh- yeah, I love it when he shows up in places too. I'm like, ah, yay. Then the setting and situation we're in, we're in Oklahoma And like Joe tells them it's the biggest series of storms in 12 years. And like some people thought like that it was unrealistic for there to be so many storms right in a row. But apparently that's actually true to life that you can have a storm system that produces like numbers of powerful tornadoes in the same day. So that is actually pretty accurate. And I had I looked up some general tornado facts just to get us started for the movie. So the U.S. is home to the majority of the world's tornadoes. And they're mostly in the central United States, which is named Tornado Alley. Oklahoma has the record for the largest and the strongest tornadoes ever recorded. In 2013, there was a tornado recorded, which was 2.6 miles wide in El Reno, Oklahoma. And in 1999, a tornado with winds of 300 miles per hour was south of Oklahoma City. So Oklahoma has some tornadoes that mean business. The average tornado can be uh, a few hundred, is a few hundred feet wide, but they can be as small as just the width of a car and they can be a mile or more wide. And apparently wind speed is actually much more important to for, for predicting what damage is going to be than size of the tornado is because there can be big tornadoes that are pretty weak and like but small ones that are hugely powerful. Mm. And according to the CDC in 2020, 76 people died in the tornado season and hundreds were injured. So if you're not in the correct shelter, these can be really dangerous. So before we we get to the tornadoes in the movie, though, we're we're all hanging out, like, and Bill's trying to get Joe to sign the divorce papers. And through this, Joe finds out that he's getting remar- remarried. So she is procrastinating on signing the divorce papers. And meanwhile, um, Melissa is with Dusty, and I've got a little clip of some of what Dusty considers appropriate conversation right here. The suck zone. It's the point. Basically, at which the twister sucks you up. Anyway, the suck zone. <laughs> the so suck it, zone. I actually looked up, like, okay, because I have weird thoughts at, late at night. I looked up whether there was a, a pornographic movie called The Suck Zone, because if there's ever a twister <laughs> pornographic movie, it has to be called The Suck Zone. That's all. Did we so lose is Sarita? The, is she no, gone? No, no. <laughs> she just doesn't find my juvenile humor funny. <laughs> so is there... No, I is couldn't there... find one. No, but if oh, there ever man. is one, that's the, that's the, you got your title. <laughs> yeah, you because the suck zone, man. Like, <laughs> so yeah, Dusty is kind of a creeper here. Like, it, I don't think it would play as well today, but in the '90s, it was just like funny. Yeah. It's yeah. still funny to me because Dusty seems harmless to me. But like, I think like maybe it would depend. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in a movie he seems harmless, but in real life, I don't know. What do you guys yeah. think? Yeah, I mean, uh... I just think he's. I think it's yeah. definitely generational. I think the older you yeah. are, I think the more uh, 
inclined to accept sexual harassment you are. <laughs> but do you think he's purposely trying to sexually harass her or he's just clueless? Because my I fall to clueless on this one. I think but he's what's just like the difference. Well, uh, intent, I think. Like I think uh, I, for me I, for me, somebody's intent does matter to me because if somebody's obviously trying to corner me and like, you know, like do something to me with my, their body that would worry me. But like, he's like loves bill. He worships bill and bill's mm. right there. So mm. I don't think he's actually trying to like touch Melissa in an appropriate ways. I think he thinks this is just appropriate conversation. Cause he's used to hanging out with a bunch of dudes. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my theory on dusty other theories. Okay. It's a okay. good theory. I'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like him. I, 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 I think it's a great character. I think it is a great nineties character, but like you said, I don't think it would hold up very good now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or if it did, she would say something back. She would yes. be like, don't eh, fucking touch know, me or don't, don't talk fuck. To me like right. That. Where, you know, <laughs> yeah. Melissa's yeah. like, oh, <laughs> like just, you know, yeah. is is visibly uncomfortable, visibly, but doesn't want, say anything. Wants a to woman. be polite because right. these are her new fiance's friends. Right. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's an interesting dynamic at any event. Mm-hmm. And so then Joe, as soon as she finds out that he's married, Melissa, he wants to, she wants to meet her. And mm-hmm. in doing so, um, Joe and Bill explain what Dorothy is to Melissa and Dorothy is their invention. So one of the, the main goal for them in the movie is that they want to launch this invention, Dorothy into a tornado and it has sensors inside it that can take readings like inside the tornado. And their goal is then to design a better tornado predictions and warning system based on the data they receive. So that's, you get like the exposition because Melissa's there and doesn't know anything about it, which right. is really efficient. And I yes. um, just wanted to put in Dorothy is based on a real invention called Toto or Totable Tornado Observatory. And it was a 55 gallon barrel used to measure storm data. And it was deployed similarly to in the movie. Um, but it wasn't in real life. It wasn't very successful. Um, they had a lot of failures to like get it in the store, in the tornado's path. And it was also like a safety issue getting into the tornado's path. So they stopped using that in 1987, but there are smaller sensors and instruments like that they deployed today. And there was a project called Vortex two in 20, 2009 and 2010. And that was able to use multiple devices to study a tornado before it started and during it. And so they've gotten a lot of data from that. So I thought that was really interesting to learn about that, actually, that like the and the real the movie invention looks just kind of like the real invention did, like a big barrel with a bunch of these tiny sci fi looking sensors inside of it that all pop out in theory. Okay, and then in terms of warnings, like I wanted to know also like Joe and keeps talking about how there's not enough warning for the tornadoes and we need to get it so that people have time to get to shelter. Right. Mm -hmm. So I looked up what is the average warning time right now. And according to the National Weather Service, the average lead time for a tornado warning today is nine minutes, and they want to get it to 13 minutes. But they're also trying to balance this with, like, not issuing too many false alarms because they're afraid if there's too many tornado, like, warnings and nothing happens that people will stop paying attention to them. So it's kind of a, yeah, balancing act. And just for our listeners who did not grow up in a tornado area, um, a tornado watch indicates conditions that are prime for a tornado to form, whereas a tornado warning is when one has been spotted by either an eyewitness or radar. So, and tornado warnings are just incredibly important for saving lives because you can pretty much survive tornadoes if you can get to a sh- appropriate shelter, but if you don't, then, you know, good luck, yep. depending on the size of the storm. Mm. 
Nine minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like right. And it's average. Like, but it's, it's, yeah, they could probably make a better, like a, a better time. But like they said, they're trying not to have like false alarms. So sure. yeah. That makes very good sense. So, okay. Tornado one. Here we go. So as the team is hearing news that there's a tornado ready to go. And so, oh man, we loved this scene. The very yeah. first, like everyone rushing to get to their vehicles and put all the stuff away. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious for whatever reason. Hair flapping in the wind and car doors slamming and, and the divorce papers have not been signed. And Bill says to Melissa, we'll follow them and, and we'll, you know, we'll get the her to sign them, and it's you know that very cliche getting getting pulled back into the the job, and I th- I think it's Dusty that's like he's back, and Bill's like I'm not back, but he's so back. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. and Bill rides with Joe, and he has Melissa drive his truck, and then they have this great you know kind of argument in the car. So as they're in their car now. They get sidetracked because their rival, Jonas, the evil meteorologist, uh, comes up alongside of them with his fleet of matching black minivans. We also got a kick out of that. We're like, (laughs) look at those badass minivans. But those are all his scientists, you know, his crew. And I love that, like, they talk about Jonas like he's just in it for the money. and He's not there for the science. Um. He's got his high-tech gadgets, but no instincts. And this is important, Melissa, because this is what his conversation is Melissa? later. This is important, Melissa? I mean, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> Who's Melissa? Sorry. Which one of us Who's is Melissa? Melissa? Serena. Serena's <laughs> Melissa. Oh, sorry. God. Sorry. Let me go back. I'm Melissa. She can be She can be Joe because I don't want to get that close to the tornadoes. So I know, right? Okay. I think Serena's more of a badass than I am. So, Oh, yeah. Sorry if I was going to cast this serena's definitely joe yeah dude <laughs> but you like look more traveling. like joe jen <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't matter okay okay okay, okay so let yeah. me back up i'm gonna take it back to they they talk about jonas as just being in it for the money not the science and he's got all these gadgets but no instincts i kind of laugh at that he's in it for the money like really is there a lot of money in that? I don't know. Well, I mean, if you actually got the design patented, you could probably sell it to the government. So, yeah, because it turns uh, out that Jonas, like, Bill doesn't know this yet, but it turns out Jonas has actually stolen their idea and built mm-hmm. his own version of Dorothy. And actually, mm-hmm. let me, I want to talk about this part. There's like, they end up then at this outside this diner and there's like a near meteorologist brawl. Like they yeah. almost get into like a, a meteorologist knife fight, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Not, there, no knives come out, but it was like really funny to me. Um, and, and, and now I feel like Bill like ends up actually staying with him because his ego gets involved. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not enough that he has this like affection for his team or Joe, but now he's like, he's, he wants to beat Jonas basically. And he tells Joe one day, I'll give you one day. Yeah. So I thought that yeah. was like his, his dude instincts kicked in or whatever. So we're in the diner and Melissa says to Joe, you're still in love with him, aren't you? And not that I blame you. It's just I I hope this isn't some desperate attempt to keep him in your life. I'll also say I really love the waitresses. Uh, They cut to the waitress and she like looks at their conversation and then they cut. Like juicy gossip. Yeah. yeah, Juicy gossip. Somebody's somebody's got an interesting situation. I'm going to listen in. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And actually, like, you could think that this was kind of like a bitchy thing for Melissa to do, but it didn't come off that way no. to me, really. Like, Melissa's yeah. just, like, I like her demeanor, you know? Uh-huh. I don't think I liked yeah. her character much when I first saw the movie, but then when I watch it now, I'm like, yeah, she's being pretty cool about it, really. Yeah. 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 But, and she's also accurate. <laughs> like, Joe is totally still into him. Yeah. 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 So, Serena, you were wondering if Jonas is coming on to Joe at this point. Like, they've got some back history because Joe says something to the effect of, like, nothing ever changes. And I believe because Jonas comes up to Joe and he's like, uh, what's Bill going to do? You know, he because he has no instincts. So he's relying on Bill's instincts. And that's what Joe's referring to. Something's never changed. Like, Jonas is always going to be following bill because bill has the gut and he relates to the storm he can you know he feels Uh it and Uh he does that like several times right like Uh (laughs) we get this great shot of bill being outside and picking up the dirt yeah what is that about i I don't know i could not find any like he's some sort of like Native American shaman or something. And I like, can't even find any old wives tale about picking up like earth and like it telling you about a tornado. Like, fine. Yes, the wind is going in that direction. But what does that have to do with like a tornado coming or I don't know. And he's he's getting that's the only thing I could sensing. think of is that like he was picking up the dirt to see which way it was going to blow. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't but- know. But then it he just, just it was a cool it, shot. Mainly. Yeah, basically looking <laughs> at the sky. Looking yeah, at the sky, mysteriously. He looked very in touch with his, uh, with the earth at that point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's one with the storms, one with the tornado, and uh, yeah. And they show that later on when they're chasing the storm and all the radar saying it's going this way, but then he's he slams on the brakes and he takes a turn because he he can see that it's changing direction and it's like yep. okay sure I don't know sure. uh, yep yep so that's the scene <laughs> so yeah the the tornado's coming and they all run back and they're Joe and Bill are bickering in the car um. Oh, oh wait, before we talk about that, yeah, so when they when ahead. they get on the way to the tornado from the diner, so when they get on the way from to the tornado when it's coming again and on the way from the diner, they're all listening to different music and they're all just getting like super hyped. Yeah. Like Dusty's yeah. got some kind of classic rock, which I should probably recognize. I think but it I'm- was purple, deep deep velvet, purple, deep purple. <laughs> What the hell's okay. the band's name? Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so he's got classic rock. The yeah. sophisticated guy's got the William Tell Overture or whatever. And then the the other couple is like singing Oklahoma together in their car, yep. which is kind of cute. And But everyone's like super pumped like about this tornado coming. And like, um, and yeah, and Joe and Bill are bickering. And this is kind of where you kind of understand like what the possible breakdown of their marriage was in their eyes. So... Joe like says that Bill couldn't commit or finish things, but then Bill is like saying that like, no, you were never there. Like, at least I showed up. You weren't supportive. I wanted a house and all this other stuff with you. And in this argument too, you get like a precedent set where other cars can listen and hear what they're saying, which will be important later on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So we've established that, you know, they're having this conversation and, and Joe says Bill can't commit. And as the storm shows up, you know, Bill's, or Joe says to Bill, have you lost your nerve? Because it doesn't look like he's going for it. And Bill takes the bait and he says, tighten your seatbelt. And they <laughs> they head to the storm, but um, they, it, I don't know, overshoot or they can't get Dorothy off. And the, and, the, and the storm is coming closer, so they ditch Dorothy. And then um, they s- kind of slam into this like little, you know, 
footbridge or whatever and like kind and of get, an underpass like a small kind of an, underpass. is a small underpass very small they yeah. always refer to it as an underpass when they're commenting on the phone so okay so they they're not going to get Dorothy out in time so they get out of the van out of the truck or whatever and they hide they take shelter under this little underpass okay so a few things happen here joe you know kind of let's go and i i find this so unbelievable this is the part oh, yeah? that i'm like i just can't take where she's like wants to like go toward it and like head toward and her eyes are she open wants to see it she wants she to wants see to the see thing see that killed it. her dad she wants I, I think I, I I find it believable. And also those things, storms are super fascinating too. And if you're if you have to be fascinated with them if you're hunting them. I think it I, is probably unrealistic, but at the same time it's believable on a character level to me or a metaphorical level, I guess. All right. Uh, you're no, right. I, I but think I still it's totally I think it's totally I've known people. I mean, when we had hurricanes here, I mean there were people that were like in it and they mm-hmm. wanted to be in it. Like mm-hmm. it's definitely I would say there was more people that were like that that weren't. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this: Were any of them wearing like protective eyewear? Because <laughs> I, I was squinting, trying to cover my eyes, watching the film. Like I hate <laughs> shit flying in my eyes when I ride my bike. I've always got some like glasses on, whether it's uh-huh. day or night, because I don't like things flying in my face. So all these people with all this debris and like yeah, yeah, dirt yeah. and splinters and rocks flying around. I'm like, well, you're gonna yeah. go blind. And, and that's the part that is unrealistic because like um, when yeah. they've had people review this movie like is it realistic well the first thing everyone says is these people would have been killed by flying debris right yeah right yeah like and also especially the underpass like they say do not ever hide under an underpass because it creates a wind tunnel there's even more flying debris and then potentially the bridge can fall on top of you right so yeah which is kind of what's happening here like the the truck kind of pushes on that little overpass a bit too yeah yeah you're like fools yeah um but they survive. They survive. <laughs> but Joe's truck gets lifted up, and um, now the wind has died down, and they let go, and they look around, and she goes, "Where's my truck?" <laughs> and then the thing lands right in front of Melissa driving Bill's truck, yeah. and she's got to swerve she out of the way, freaks and she's out. Just- and sure. meanwhile, Dusty's like, "That was awesome. That was awesome. Did you see it?" <laughs> And uh, and then uh, Joe uh, finagles Bill into using his truck. And but so- it's one of those. It's one of those scenes though, where there's the thing where like Joe's mm-hmm. like, "So like, uh, it's a pretty nice truck you have. Like, what kind of insurance does it have?" And he's like, "No, no way." And then there's like a classic Bill Paxton, "No way." Like, I can't mm-hmm. do his line delivery. It's so amazing. But then it cuts to the, like them using the truck i love these there was one in dirty dancing too like she can't dance like and then they're dancing yeah okay and here's also totes unbelievable they're far too clean after all of that like that it'd be covered in mud her shirt's practically white again it's like come on let's have some continuity here dirty them up i I mean they'd be like absolutely filthy by the end of this movie if it was (laughs) true because do you know that the timeline's only supposed to be like a day and a half isn't that yeah. wild yeah mm-hmm. with all those storms yeah what a but day. that's like that's realistic actually like i said it's like they've had storm whiplash. systems like that and especially if you're a chaser you're actually like running towards them you're driving towards them so you're following them so it's not yep. like it was all in one town you know true yeah so in mm-hmm. tornado two so we're calling these like we're t- we're numbering these tornadoes because the movie's kind of structured 
um, around a bunch of different tornadoes. And then with each tornado, there's a different driving situation, which I thought was interesting because mm. the driving situation, I think, says a little bit something about how the relationships have shifted. So in Tornado 2, Bill is driving his, his truck. Joe's in the passenger seat and Melissa's in the back seat. And so we've all shifted positions and Melissa's getting calls from one of her patients during this tornado, which kind of provides like a comic relief. I remember watching this with audiences at the theater and everyone laughed every Mm -hmm. time she was talking to like, was it Donald or something about their problems having a baby? And like, she didn't just marry you for your penis and all this other stuff. Right. Anyway. Yeah. But so tornado two um, was also to me, I think was the most memorable tornado into a lot of people. Um, it's, but not just because there's cows, cause there are, there, a cow shows up in this one because it's the water spout tornado. Yeah. Like where there's like water, like they're going over a bridge over water and the, the tornado is sucking up all this water. And it's just this really eerie image. What do you I guys think? I have actually seen a lot of water spouts and, and yeah. I was actually reading. Yeah. They're actually pretty common here. Um, you like see them in the distance. You don't actually see them like close to land, but you'll see them like further out to sea. And I actually was, I know a little bit about water spouts because there's actually two different kinds. There's ones that start on land, which I'm assuming is what had happened yeah. in this movie that are much more powerful. And those are called mm-hmm. like torn- tornadic, tornadic water spouts. And then, and um and then most of the water spouts you see like in the open ocean are they're called like fair weather water spouts oh. um and they're not they're not as um powerful but they're much more likely wow. you can see them i've seen them all the time and they look really scary but they're usually like pretty far in the distance wow nice yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give a, I'm going to play a clip now of like they're driving um, towards this water spout tornado. That's probably not, you're probably tornadic water spout. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, tornadic. I'm trying to use the, the real, yeah. the real terminology. <laughs> anyway, this is the, this is the, this big scene. And this is the one I was always ending up watching on my break. So. Jesus, Bill, I've never seen clutter like this. I don't think anybody has. Bill. We're in the core. Okay, we got sisters. Oh my God. Yes? Julia, I can't talk to you right now. We're running to the flanking line. I realize that. You can't attack this thing from the south. We're going to get rolled. Watch me. Julia, I know you're upset. You you just got to breathe. We both just, just got to breathe. Cow. I gotta go, Julia. We got cows. Another cow. Actually, I think that was the same one. Damn it, we got drunkards here. We got no path. This is not good. Get us out of here. I'm trying, okay? Yeah, I wanted to keep that clip going because I just wanted people to hear some of the cool sound design because mm-hmm. a lot of thought went into the sound design for this movie. Apparently, mm-hmm. they for each tornado, they tried to get different sounds and different looks. Mm-hmm. And I think you can really feel that, you know? And like, yeah. And what you hear at the end is the tornado is actually starting to spin the car around in a circle. Mm-hmm. And yeah, pretty wild. Where, that line, where, though. We've got sisters. So I know. I was wondering, I'm like, is that a technical term or is I that was, just like know, something he said in the movie? 
Yeah, I was going to look that up, but I did not have time to look up all these terminologies. Oh, There's like okay. so much of that terminology in this one. Yeah, yeah. you're like, is that real or is I'll that say- just movie slang? During uh, the commentary, the director and the um, special effects guy, they talk about how, you know, there w- there is and slash was footage that they tried to look at about, you know, tornadoes on the water and whatnot. But, like, it, they were never close enough to get to, like, see what they were down at the base. So they kind of made that up and it wound up being pretty darn accurate. <laughs> so I thought that was very cool in their special effects and... Mm-hmm. Well done. Have, yeah. have you guys ever done the, the been to the Twister ride at Universal Studios? It's not open anymore, apparently. I'm really sad. Um, I remember I did go when I, I was probably like 18 or 19, which was like yeah. pretty close to 96. And I remember like the the cow and it, they did a really when I was watching the movie, I remembered a lot more of that ride <laughs> um, at Universal Studios. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. I wish I could have been and, on it. They don't and have the cows, it anymore. And the cow part was like significant and everyone loved it. So yeah. it's definitely like something that you, sticks out. Yeah. I think if you ask people like one thing they remember about Twister, that's usually the thing they remember about <laughs> Twister, right? The cow. Yeah, and appa- yeah. And apparently like apparently they had, while they were making the film, they'd heard a story of a cow being picked up and put down alive by a tornado. And that's yeah. what inspired that in the scene. So that's pretty cool. Like a lot of times animals are actually killed by tornadoes, but this one was a story of them actually still being alive. I think that's awesome. And um, they got, so after they get spin, spun around by the tornado in this scene, actually, does anyone want to say more about the scene first or no. details? We can go on. So after, after they get spun around by the tornado, so afterwards, Joe and Bill are just like all excited and they rush out of the car and they're hugging each other. And I'm just like, it's pretty awkward for Melissa. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and she's back there freaking out and like, ah, screaming or whatever. And like, she just survived this really traumatic thing. And then she talks to Bill, and I love this line. She says, when you used to tell me that you chase tornadoes, deep down, I always just thought it was a metaphor. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hilarious. And That's I true. wanted, and I, and I feel like this is a moment where I felt like, yeah, I'm a Melissa. Like I would not be this high risk, like actiony job. That would not be for me. And I'm, I'm wondering, oh, and I accept that about myself now. Like, what do you guys <laughs> think? Are you more of a Joe or more of a Melissa? Melissa, he, probably more of a Joe. Yeah, I, I definitely would want to be like more in the action and like, yeah, that doesn't like high risk situations don't really bother. I mean, they do, but. I yeah, not enough that it would prevent me from experiencing them. Yeah, yeah, Melissa, I'm a Melissa. I'd be freaking out a little bit. And I knew <laughs> yeah, I'd be screaming the whole time, and yeah. Greg would be like, "Stop screaming! It's not helping anything." I'm like, <laughs> but I think we all want to be a Joe. She's like an aspirational character, For right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they're oh gosh, I even just see it like on friends that I follow on Instagram who like do all these outdoorsy things with their kids and they're like out in the butt and doing stuff. I'm like, wow, we don't do that. <laughs> Our family doesn't, we're so quiet. We're so, we don't camp or anything, but I don't like camping. So, <laughs> you know, I don't like camping either. Ugh. I love camping, but Lee can't camp because of his back. So, meh. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh well. All right, so back to back to the movie. <laughs> so back to the movie. Um, then we have um a scene where the crew, the the team asks that notices that they're near Wakita, and apparently Wakita is the place where Aunt Joe's Aunt Meg lives. And everybody starts asking for food, and Dusty's like, 
food with this crazy hand gesture. Which <laughs> I don't know. Everything he says in the movie is funny to me. I can't help uh. it. Like, I don't know. Does he have that effect on other people or is it just me? No, I just think he's a weirdo. And I don't think yeah. he's funny at all. I feel like he's I've known people like him before. Like, he reminds me of a lot of different people I've met over yeah. the years. People have, like, lived in vans and, like, yeah. have that kind of... I think I have a soft spot for weird slackers. I don't know. <laughs> he's not really a slacker. He's yes. doing a job. He's doing a job. Yeah. Anyway. But um, anyway, it's the second time we have this, like... Um, they're asking for something. Joe says, no, we're not going to do that. And then the next scene, they're doing the thing. So right. they only use it twice in the movie, but they use it twice pretty close together. So, okay, they're at Aunt Meg's house. And Aunt Meg is some kind of sculpture. And I'll tell you something in the commentary here. The director um, found this artist in Chicago and, like, loved the work so much. He has one of the pieces at home. Like, oh, cool. I just thought that was kind of rad. Um, but I also wonder... What happened to Joe's mom? Like, I guess because they're yeah. just close to her aunt's house in this, yeah, well, maybe, so they show maybe up there. Her mom died of old age or something. I don't maybe. know. Maybe because I'm like, why but, do we have an aunt all of a sudden and not her mom? But I guess well, her mom locations. might live in New York. Yeah, right, right. I oh, but as for the sculptures, now. as to the sculptures though, like they're kind of like they they're kind of like wind moved sculptures. Yeah, like, moving the wind. Yeah. yeah, and they make music like they're powered by wind. And there's one that like you know, kind of does like a, like a chimes kind of thing. Very yeah, cool yeah. stuff. So they're all eating steak, these big gigantic steaks at Aunt Meg's house, steak and eggs. Here's what's funny. Uh, again, our director doesn't eat meat. He, so he, he was like so repulsed by the scene. And he talked about how, you know, the scene like took five or six hours and the actors just kept eating. <laughs> so, as a as a man who doesn't eat meat, he was like, "This is so gross." Um, but there you have it. And Melissa looks weirded out by all this. She's like, "Oh my gosh, all this food! I don't understand why yeah, she's all yeah. like." They have her never looking seen at the, Yeah, they have her looking at the plate like she's never seen a steak. Yeah, right. It, I think it just was to show like how out of her element she was. Like, like what is she like? Only like finery or something? Yeah, well, maybe. So, like, grab yeah. it and eat it. I yeah. Don't know. Because it kind of made it seem like she was a little more like big city, whereas this was yeah. like more like country living, country eating. Yeah, like you're you just probably don't, right. I mean, I I mean, I never ate a steak in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they're all taking t- taking turns taking showers, and so um, they start telling. Oh, because you know. Melissa wants to know why do they call him Bill the extreme and they talk about uh, how Bill and I think Joe first met that she comes over and she sees this guy completely naked giving a tornado an alcoholic beverage like he throws it to the tornado and he's saying no that's not true and that was that evil Bill and I killed him and I wasn't completely naked and so while all this is happening but he's he's saying all that in a very cheeky way like I don't think he's saying like to totally like the whole time he's saying that wasn't true like he's he's joking at the same time you know what I mean like if you're saying it wasn't true in a very serious way I think it would be more like him trying to placate melissa but right. it's almost like he's being cheeky and teasing yeah. about it like you know? that wasn't me like yeah. and he's fond of that life maybe what do you, yeah. you think so yeah, yeah 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 and i think melissa's getting a bigger picture of what he's like and she's like oh okay <laughs> and joe's taking a mopey shower upstairs while this is happening um 
And then they're talking about um, size of tornadoes, F1, F2. And Melissa asks, you know, what's the difference? And she says, is there an F5? And has anybody ever seen one? Yeah. And they they imply the only person who's seen one is Joe, like from, Mm. you know, the opening scene. And then I just wanted to talk a little bit about the the scale they're talking about for the F ratings, the Fujita scale, because it's pretty interesting. So there's the Fujita scale is the original one. And then there's the enhanced Fujita scale. And the Fujita scale was developed in 1971 by somebody named Tetsuya Theodore Fujita, or Ted Fujita, uh, from the University of Chicago. And he was a pretty prominent, famous meteorologist. Um, He also discovered the phenomena of downbursts and microbursts. Hmm. And he researched tornadoes, thunderstorms, hurricanes, and typhoons. So the thing about the Fujita scale, um, it actually measures damage after a storm. So it would actually be weird to talk about rating storms like in advance like this they do in the movie, right? They're like, oh, it's an F3. But you don't find out it's an F3 until after they measure what was damaged after the storm. It's not a measure of like wind strength per se, though it can kind of estimate what the wind strength might have been based on the damage. It's a measure of the actual damage the storm is going to cause. So somebody might say like, oh, this could be an F3 but they wouldn't like really know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and so wild. there's also an F0. So there was an F0 tornado in Madison a few years ago, actually, that was quite near me. And an F0 is like really minor stuff. Like it'll blow like a signpost down or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So F0 is not much to worry about, although you should still shelter. You don't want to get hit by debris. But sure. um, in the movie, um, when Melissa asks, like, what would an F5 be like? The sophisticated guy calls it would be like the hand of God. And just for example, some examples of damage that are listed on the Fujita scale for an F5, strong frame houses lifted off foundations, carried considerable distances and disintegrated. So the house would come off of its foundation and just be blown apart, basically. Mm. Auto-sized missiles. So missiles means flying objects. Airborne for several hundred feet or more. Trees debarked. So Things like a semi-truck flying in the air has happened in an F5. And just all the bark coming off of a tree. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. So F5 is the worst. There's like, yeah, no F6 or whatever. Uh, F5 is just like, I think it's like 200 miles per hour wind and up is their estimate. But yeah, I might be a little bit wrong about that, about the wind amount. And then in 2007, they developed the enhanced Fujita scale. And basically all that that did was they... um, it's a little more accurate because they take into account build things like building design and vegetation type when they're surveying damage, because it's obviously easier to destroy a crappy house than it is to destroy a really well-built house. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was super interesting and yeah, gives you a little background on what they're talking about in the movie. Yeah. Cool. Um, and, you know, we talked about how there's a, actually a quiet moment and talking about, you know, Joe and Bill. So Aunt Meg is, uh, here's our very rom com moment where um, <laughs> Aunt Meg is talking to Joe about Bill and this is the Lisa Loeb song playing over it. And Meg says he didn't keep his part of the bargain. And Joe says, which part? And Meg says to spend his life pining for you and die miserable and alone. And Joe says, is that too much to ask? <laughs> so, then lunch is interrupted because Dusty hears about an F3 coming and they yeah. all run out the door again. And <laughs> yep. And this is going to be the beginning of our spoiler section because some important stuff goes down in tornado number three to our play. 
Here we yep. go. So, so you've been warned. Spoiler section begins now. <laughs> tornado number three. So now they're heading off and Joe is driving Bill's truck. Bill's in the passenger seat and Melissa's riding with Dusty. And- yeah, and Bill's just really abrupt about that. He's like, you're riding with Dusty. He barely talks to Melissa. He's just like, just points her over there. And she doesn't want to be riding with Dusty. I know. I, I don't know. If I were her, I'd be like, I'm going to stay with him. I know. Like. <laughs> Although, yeah, we'll later but, find well, out. Well, later on. Well, well, it's a spoiler one. We can say it. But yeah, if she'd stayed with Aunt Meg, she'd be in the house that's destroyed. So right. that'll be fun. <laughs> but anyway. So Bill is wiring Joe for sound. Like, what is he wiring her for? For it sound. Just is, yeah. For sound. So that, they, but it's, so that they can hear. So they'll be able to hear the conversation they have later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he can kind of touch her a little bit, and it's like, yeah. ooh, thrilling. But it's really um, for science. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. and I, I actually I want to talk about this part. So while they're actually, so this tornado, you can't really see it. Like, they're trying to look mm. around for it. But while looking for the tornado, the maps guy, uh, Cameron. <laughs> He's rabbit. rabbit in this film. Yes, yes, yes. Um, has them drive through a cornfield or something, or a field of some kind. And then, like, it ends up on a highway, like, all of a sudden. And they almost, mm-hmm. like, fully collide with Jonas's team. Like, there's almost, like, a deadly fatal traffic accident. And, like, what's interesting about this is that apparently most storm chasers who die, die in auto accidents. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. like, yeah, but, like their team, but, like, their team is still portrayed as, like, the good guys, even though they almost killed Jonas's you know you know what i mean yeah that I was guess. a little off to me i mean in the movie when i was watching it originally it didn't occur to me but now i'm looking at it i'm like come on now <laughs> they're like they're <laughs> mad at jonas like what are you doing driving correctly on this highway that we've just rammed into <laughs> with your fleet of minivans <laughs> come on now <laughs> but really they're the assholes here <laughs> anyway so they they can't see this tornado though. It's like hiding behind the hills and and not even the radar. But they're like it's coming. And there's a lot of yelling. And then there's hail. Oh, so um, filming this. Uh, yeah. Bill so Bill Paxton, gets out of Bill gets out of the actual front of the truck and into the back. We should say into the back. The and he's trying yeah. to like undo Dorothy and all these things. But they you know had to film this hail like scene and they're chucking all this ice at Bill Paxton. And he did get scraped up. Like, those are real guns that they film later on. But, you know. Wait, they're real talk- what that they film? Sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. So they, you know, they're chucking all this ice on the mm-hmm. on the actors to make it look like a hailstorm. And Bill Paxton really did get, like, dinged from all that and cut up. And when you see it later on in a different scene, he's got a cut over his eye and some on his face. Those are oh, real. Like, he really, really got, he got huh. banked up a little bit in the in the... I was there. I mean, I still like can't get my head around it, but those wind, the wind that they create, the director was talking about just how loud it is and it was really powerful and it's not any fun and like they can't hear each other. And anyway, so those actors were tough and they, they wanted to do it. So um, they can't, Oh, what happens here? The, well, yeah. The- so what happens here is they get Dorothy like, uh, like they can't get Dorothy like undone from the oh, truck right. and they have to kind of like uh, leave the truck for a second, I think, because the tornado is kind of coming and it's knocking over power lines. And then one of the power lines falls on top of Dorothy, knocks Dorothy off of the truck somehow. Yeah. And like, OK, this is the thing, though. I was watching Cinema Sins for Twister and they had a really good point. Like, like the, the sensors fall out of the barrel, right? But like uh-huh. if the goal is to get the sensors into the tornado, why does it make a difference if they're on the ground or in the barrel? Like, I'm not sure. Right. 
Like it maybe the wind couldn't get under them as well if they're down there. Like I guess because tornado wind has to get under the thing to like lift right. it. But they're but too still. they're too light. And that or too and too low to the ground or something. Yeah, yeah. Weird. I don't know exactly, but it was it was kind of weird. It was kind of if you think about it too much, you're kind of like what? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Don't and know. and so and so like Joe's like no, we got to pick up these sensors. We got to fix it. Like it's the tornado's quiet for a second, and so you think maybe it's gone away, but then they say it's back building, which I also don't know if that's an official term. But the storm's going to come back, right? And like Bill's like, we got to get out of here, right? And, and, but Joe's like, no, I gotta, we gotta fix it. We gotta make it work. And so the, the next clip is represents Bill trying to get Joe to safety and um, a little bit of a turning point with them. So let's play that really quick. What are you doing? Help me! Joe, the pack's wasted. It's over. What is wrong with you? We can still do this. Jesus Christ, listen to yourself. You're obsessed. You've never seen what that thing you do, so don't talk to me about it. You've never seen it. You've never seen him miss this house and miss that house and come after you. Christ, Joe, is that what you think it did? Oh, no. Jesus, Joe, why can't you just forget it? You don't understand, okay? You'll never know. When's it gonna be enough, huh? How close do you have to get? Talk to me. Joe, things go wrong. You can't explain it. You can't predict it. Killing yourself won't bring your dad back. Sorry he died, but it was a long time ago. You gotta move on. Stop living in the past and look at what you got right in front of you. What are you saying? Me, Joe. Yeah, and I forgot to mention the last part of that whole, well, the whole speech is overheard by Melissa. Mm-hmm. Who's hanging out with Dusty mm-hmm. because she's been wired for sound. <laughs> so we can hear the whole discussion. And you see Melissa listening to the last part of that and just being like, oh, shit, mm-hmm. this relationship's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comments? Well, Anything? good thing she found out before they got married. Yeah, right. <laughs> Although maybe, like, you know, honestly, I wonder if, like, if the divorce papers had just been signed, like if he'd just gone on to be a meteorologist, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So to me, I feel like Bill's ploy worked. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) her hesitancy worked. She got what she wanted. This is like another one of those scenes. It's like one of those rom-commy scenes. You know what I mean? Uh Uh Like it's like the big reveal scene in a rom-com, but it comes like not at the climax of the movie. Right. And the reveal is that Bill also has feelings for Joe as well. That's the reveal. Mm -hmm. It's the declaration Mm -hmm. of love scene essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it's such a, and it like, that's one of the things that makes this movie stand out as more of like a romance movie to me. It's got that big moment and Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah. And they're acting in this is also so good. I wanted to point out like when you're watching it, they're doing a lot of pushing back and forth, but it's very realistic. Like people who are Mm -hmm. very intimate with each other. Like, yeah, I thought it was really well played. Well, so we have that and we're saying that like this ploy works, but in the next scene, they're at a drive-in movie theater that has a concession stand. And this is great. The Shining is playing in the drive-in scene and it's um come play with us danny it's the that iconic scene in the shining where <laughs> I got like really confused while i was watching this scene i was like wait a minute is my is my computer playing the shining <laughs> yeah right it like, goes right into the opening scene of the movie yeah, with fantastic really music, music and everything like which is very threatening music such a good yeah. transition yeah. such a good transition uh, yeah but anyway sophia you wanted to talk about 
So we got um, the shining plane and then the shining plane and um Bill and Joe are glancing at each other across the parking lot and Joe signs the divorce papers. Yeah, and I'm confused by that. Why? Why? I well, I guess I'm confused by it too actually, yeah. Like um I don't I think it's supposed to signal that she's has cl- like that she's moving ahead. I don't know, but it is interesting because he's basically just like said, you got me, right? Right. Yeah. And I think it just signifies that she's bullheaded, self-sabotaging. Really? Yeah, that's what I think it signals that. Okay. Have you you ever, I mean, I've done stuff like that. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) It's coming from someone who identifies with the Joe character and being, feeling like you're independent, you don't need anybody. And then when someone does declare like their love for you, you're like, nope, I'm out. this is is what i wanted i thought but then when it's actually there you're like "Mm, i want to go back to being my independent self oh yeah i totally this scene made total sense to me okay all right how how i read it was like the how i read it was just the narrative signifying that she's taken an important step towards like letting go of the past and giving bill like his independence but like yeah that makes sense too that makes sense on a character level it's something that i wouldn't understand necessarily but yeah yeah i can see Mm. that yeah okay yeah all right oh Um, one thing i wanted to say about the movies so the movie theater's playing the shining and 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 psycho once in my college movie club we actually had a college we had a movie night called the movies playing at the drive-in in the movie twister like that was all right nice (laughs) that was the theme for our movie night once so i played the shining and and psycho (laughs) anyway i I don't know if it came through but jan says that he always puts a little uh stanley kubrick homage something in all of his films so what's in speed i don't know that's a good question and what's in speed too? cruise control <laughs> i don't know good question <laughs> i gotta find out i'm now. gonna go okay. watch speed after this and find yeah. it um yeah yeah and so, so like yeah so she signs the divorce papers and then the tornado like we find out the tornado is coming to the drive-in first because there's static on the tv i'm not sure if that would actually correlate but that's our our audience signal that something's up Mm-hmm. And then, and then, oh, these line deliveries. And then Dusty hears about the tornado. He says, it's coming right for us. And Bill says, it's already here. <laughs> like, I can't do, <laughs> I cannot do justice to Bill Paxton's line deliveries. He it's is like, here. he is made for movies like this. Like his line deliveries are so extra, but in a way that is awesome. Like I just fucking love Bill Paxton line deliveries. He should have been in every disaster movie ever. That's, that's all. So like Joe's just staring at their tornado, but Bill's already running, getting Melissa, um, mm-hmm. other like the team, right? And Joe's just like staring up at the sky. And then like finally she snaps out of it. And then she gets the concession stand people to take shelter, but why weren't they taking shelter already? I know. All these people really like for real, you live okay, about that static. So uh, the director said that uh they in their like local research or whatever people have said as part of like a i don't know lore or whatever that the static on the tv is an it has been an indicator for like a storm is coming so um it's probably not an accurate measure of what a tornado is going to be or if a tornado is coming but that's how people one of those things that people have said about tornadoes coming so there's that and then um yeah, I don't get it. If you live yeah. in this area, 
aren't you kind of attuned and be like, oh, yeah. crap, you know? Yeah, like the tornado's literally starting to approach the screen of the drive-in movie and the people are getting out of their cars then. Right. Like, and also yeah. I have big questions. Like, where did all these people shelter? And why doesn't the team shelter with them? Because, like, they well, end up sheltering... In the Go concession ahead. stand, they run to the stand. Well, no, there's a different building too. I think. And then there's that and shed. And, where and they was go. there like a? And was there a basement in the building? All these other people are going to. Anyway, I had so many questions because it like seemed like a ton of people <laughs> well, were running into a doorway. Say that it usually it's only like nine minutes or something is like the average. I mean, that's not a lot of time. Well, yeah, so but, like by the time people got their like thumbs out of their buttholes, they're probably. But, like, in this, oh. but, in, but in this movie, they're literally looking at a tornado in front of them, and some of them are just getting out of their car. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. But like, um, but yeah, I just wonder like where all those people went. And then like their team, like the best place they can find is this like auto repair shop in like the pit. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, like, fucking dangerous can you get? Yeah. Blowing through the window. Stuff is falling on them. Like debris, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. intense. And again, they're like all turned around and watching it. Yeah. Everybody. I mean, your school drills, your, your tornado you're drills. To, you, yeah. you, you put your hands over your head. You're yeah. up against the wall. No one's yeah. looking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, I find this very realistic because that's what people do during like an actual situation really? like this. Everyone wants to be outside. They want to watch it. They want to record it. They want to film it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then we see the tornado actually ripping through the drive-in screen during the here's Johnny like shot in The yeah. Shining, which is an amazing shot. That's one of my favorite like just shots in the movie is just watching the tornado destroy another movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's like an image that lasts to me. Um, yeah. And they somehow survive in this auto pit. Melissa, again, is freaking out, as I would likely be as well. I mean, like a car almost falls into their pit, right? Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yes. And then and another then, car runs into that one and it's yeah. oh my it's, gosh. It's a disaster. Yeah. And then immediately after the that tornado's gone through, they find out that there's a tornado going directly to Wakita where Aunt Meg lives. And um everyone's like, Well, let's go, let's go check on Meg. And then we have Melissa breaks up with Bill. Like he says, Oh, I'll see you back at the hotel. And she's like, I won't be there. And then like she says, I can't compete with this. But she also says she's not that upset about breaking up with him. What does that mean? And I'm like, yeah, that's convenient. The the convenient amicable, <laughs> the convenient that was, amicable that was breakup. Great. Hey yeah. man, she's a therapist. I don't know. Maybe she's like trained for situations like this. Maybe yeah, that's we the just ther- saw the therapist her, way. We just saw her crying in the hotel room, yeah, playing with the ring. Yeah, yeah, you know, like but yeah, I, that's I'm true. Really not that maybe upset. she knew it was coming. She knew it was coming, and maybe the whole like being in the auto shop was like the the last the last straw like okay yeah. i'm done i'm out yeah tap out yeah. yeah yeah anyway they break up yep and um they're now we're left to go to wakita and um in in wakita scene there's like they show a bunch of like the aftermath of a tornado and, a, and it's actually filmed in wakita they were able to demolish some actual old buildings in wakita to create a lot of the damage scene, which is pretty cool. Like that was yeah. a lot of pra- practical effects there. Yeah. And um, Jan was saying that uh, they, the house that Meg lives in, they bought it. Like it, it it's this, oh, yeah? t- it's this dying town, this, this town that nobody wants to live in. And so this house has been for sale and like, they bought it and people were happy. They're like, Oh yeah, somebody, they bought it, but then they demolished it and they cleaned up and they, but so it was kind of bittersweet that like, you know, they were able to do some, you know, 
financial good to the town, but then also demolish stuff. But then this sweet little, um, you know, tornado museum shows up in the town. And so yeah. when you're passing yeah. through, yeah. check it out. Ooh, oh, what was ooh, that? There was a bunch of static. Not me. Well, all right. It's over. Not it. <laughs> so they get to, um, they get to Aunt Meg's house. And, yeah. And like you say, it's like collapse, ready to collapse. And they have to rescue Aunt Meg and her dog, which is named Moe's, which just made me think of The Office, if anybody's an Office fan, Dwight's, <laughs> oh. Dwight's cousin. Is that a name that people have, Moe's? I don't know. Moe's? It, no it made me feel like it was short for something, like Moser like or Mosey. Like, well, yeah. in, in The Office, Dwight's cousin is named Moe's. Anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, and they successfully rescue both Aunt Meg and her dog miraculously because it seems like they're about to die all the time during that sequence it's like my least favorite part of the movie though it's kind of boring after you watch all those tornadoes i'm like oh a house is gonna collapse i don't <laughs> am i the really? only one that way i think it seems so like one of the most dangerous things for them to do as yeah. well i'm like yeah. this is really dangerous yeah. yeah yeah uh super dangerous and then he's standing there they just got out and the whole thing collapses around him like they could have been stuck in there like maybe it's because i knew that they were not going to kill either aunt meg uh, or the dog you never mm. kill a dog in most of these movies the tone <laughs> of the movie has been <laughs> so like you know yeah. everybody's been mm. fine right nobody yeah. dies and it's also heartbreaking well, nobody like dies so far. <laughs> there goes your house and yeah. and yeah. they you know they kind of show that as they enter the town like these people just standing around yeah and there's a family that looks there's just a- like joe's family from the opening scene yeah. And then you just get this like really great scene of Bill Paxton holding a golden retriever. Yeah. <laughs> um, unlike unlike Joe's dad, who didn't care about her dog, but <laughs> but but Bill, he's all about the dog. See, I thought I saw that connection. I was like, he saved the dog. Yeah. Okay, I see it. Unlike right. dad who didn't care. <laughs> so maybe this guy's gonna live through tornadoes now. See? See? Oh, Don't like dogs to get sucked up in a tornado. Nice. Good point, Serena. Yes. So then um, one important, more important takeaway from the scene is Joe's looking at Aunt Meg's garden where the art, the wind catcher art sculpture is still there somehow. Like mm-hmm. The house is done, but like, <laughs> the sculpture survived. Anyway, it, it survived so that Joe could be inspired to put little propellers made out of soda cans onto the sensors so that they will fly more effectively. Apparently, yeah. and all the cans, if you notice, are Pepsi. Pepsi. Oh, yeah. Yep. Shameless. Yep. Shameless. <laughs> Product placement, bitches. Uh-huh. Product placement. And Our- true to life, you'll see them on all their hands are cut up and bleeding. True, because the the aluminum cans are sharp, and they freaking kept cutting their fingers. Oh man, that sucks. <laughs> yes. And Jan says so in the commentary. He's like, yeah, those are really sharp. And- oh my God. <laughs> a lot of people, like it really does sound like more people than average were like getting injured on this phone. Though. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, because they also had to get hepatitis shots, I guess, from the ditch scene where they're under the underpass. Like there's oh. a lot of weird stuff in the ditch with the water. Yeah. <gasps> oh, fair enough. Oh. Fair enough. Yeah, I totally get that shot. <laughs> So now we come to our our last tornado, tornado number five, which is they're saying an F5. And like they make the tornado look just huge and like colored black. And like the color of the tornado, I guess, depends on what it's picking up usually. So like it'll depend on color of the dirt or the whatever it's got in it. And and they drive right up to it, though, it seems like in the movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it seems like, oh, no big deal. (laughs) 
And yeah. um, they have two attempts to launch Dorothy in the scene. And the first attempt to launch Dorothy fails. And then they have to like drive this dramatic sequence where they're driving away from the tornado after failing to launch Dorothy. And this is like where shit just keeps falling in front of them on this road. Like tractors mm-hmm. are falling in front of them. A fucking like fuel truck blows up and they drive through the explosion and they live. Right. Yeah. Like, come that's on little, yeah that's die hard level of unbelievable you yeah know what i mean like you like i think it was like die hard four where i'm like like things just were getting so out of hand i was like there's no way but anyway <laughs> and then an entire house falls in their path yeah and like bill paxton's like we're going in <laughs> they drive a truck through a house yeah, I thought, yeah, that, that was the lamest part for but me. But when like, you're watching it in a theater, you don't give a shit. You're like, this is fucking awesome, right? <laughs> <laughs> True. You're right. True. 20-some years later, whatever, you're like, ah, jeez. It's a small screen, too, though. It really is a small <laughs> screen. Because when you're in a theater and you're involved in it, everyone's just like, they're moving their heads this way and that way, like, to swerve away from the stuff unconsciously. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Can, the energy in the theater is, like, so big for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's pretty over the top. Yeah. Oh, and then Jonas. So the rival meteorologists show up and it seems like he might have a chance to launch his sensors and they try to help him because they want to like, you know, get this warning system working. Right. But mm-hmm. he ignores like their help um, directionally. And then they try to warn him that he's like about to like drive right into the tornado. Mm-hmm. And he ignores them again, even though his driver's like, maybe we should listen to them. And then the only death scene in the movie, <laughs> which... <laughs> They send this, like, I don't know, electrical pole or something through the driver, who's the whole time has been like, I don't know, they're good people, and they're trying to help us, and what do you think? Should we follow them? Like, he's the nice guy, and he gets impaled through the window. Like, they couldn't have done that for the Jonas character and get sucked up into the tornado? Like, (laughs) And then they get sucked up in the tornado, yeah. Yeah, And And you see this from a distance from Joe and Bill's perspective. And then they show the truck being slammed down back into the ground and exploding. So it's like a whole thing. And it's like, everyone's like, oh my god, that was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, those are the only real stakes we get to see, though, in terms of, like, people dying. Yes. And then Bill and Joe, without saying anything, no <laughs> verbal communication yeah. at all, know that they're going to drive his the entire truck, truck, the yeah. entire truck into the tornado. And they're both, they both make a jump for it. True story. Helen Hunt got, well, as you can see, like in real life, you might think that's a good idea. Like we'll hold the door open and then jump out as this car is <laughs> driving. But the corn is pushing the door back and she got cracked in the face. Oh man. Doing that stunt. So because it was hard to keep the door open and I could okay. totally tell. So anyhow, that's what they do. And then they they get up and, and I don't know, her little go, go, go thing was a little stupid to me really yeah i didn't like that i don't know so they they're watching the truck continue driving into the tornado she wants Mm -hmm. it to get sucked up and they're like they're like kind of holding on in suspense Mm -hmm. and then they're so ecstatic because the 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 dorothy launches the sensors are in the air and they almost kiss at that point they're kind of hugging each other looking happy and they almost kiss but then the tornado turns on them and they have to run and um yeah they go through a series of attempts to find shelter like they try to shelter in this barn 
but there's too many like there's scythes and like <laughs> like it's like pitchforks it's like the texas chainsaw barn right or something. he's like, like, who are he's like the children of yeah. the corns hide out with all yeah, these yeah. shears and oh god yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so they get out of there and like then they go into this little shed which is on a hill by the way they're right yeah. like, near like kind of a ditch that they could have sheltered in which is one of the things you might are supposed to look for but instead they go up on this hill into this tiny little shed and they attach themselves to a pipe thing <laughs> they like that bill says this will go 30 feet into the ground and then like they tie themselves to it uh-huh. And yeah, don't try this at home, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just yeah, don't. That's so common. Yeah, commentary out on in the real world is like, yeah, that wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah, this author, this meteorologist, um, wrote in the Washington Post. Her name is Catherine P R O C I V. No idea how to pronounce that, but she wrote for the Washington Post and said, in their situation where they've tied themselves to this pipe, so the shed gets blown away, right? And they'd either be killed by the force from the flying debris that's flying all around them. Or they'd be killed by the force of the actual storm winds on your body. Wow. So like there's like there's mm-hmm. basically no way they could have survived that. But I mean right. it looks pretty. Like you see the shot where like <laughs> their their feet are hanging up in the air in the sky and like yeah. they, right, they see like yeah. the center of the tornado thing, it's so beautiful or whatever. Yeah. Right after the tornadoes passed, like Joe and Bill are like all tied up and lying down. And it really reminded me of how um Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock were tied together on that um platform mm. or something, that rolling platform in speed. Very mm. similar body positioning. Anyway, so it looks like they're going to kiss, but they don't. And then they begin arguing about who's going to run the lab. Like, is it going to, like, like Joe wants to run the lab, but so does Bill. And who's going to analyze the data? And Bill's like, do you always have to do things the hard way? And I'm like, that's a little rich, though, because he's the one who left the team. So I'm kind of like, I think Joe should be in charge of the lab, personally, Bill. I don't know. Yeah, yeah the team arrives and they're like, look at the sky. And Joe says, I think we've seen enough or something like that. And then she kisses Bill and then they kiss and they're kissing and they pan out and you see the damage of the storm and clear skies now. And Oh, yeah. And I should also mention that when the team shows up, they said, we've got all this data. We're already like, like analyzing it. or so, You know what I mean? Like yeah. everybody's happy, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a beautiful yeah. ending, really. And then don't they show... Yeah, don't they show like the the farm family, the family oh, that yeah. lives in the farm, oh, like their yeah. house is still intact, yeah. and you see them like coming out of the the cellar, unlike Joe, like all intact, and they like walk back to their house that yep. happens to be still <laughs> standing. Yeah. yeah, the house got missed, and the horses still yeah. live. There's like so, horses you show up and like. So it came, it came full circle. Okay, so we finished the plot. Excellent. We got a few more things to talk about. So really quick, we talked about some of the things Twister got wrong. So again, the Fujita scale, like the way it's used in the movie, not accurate. You would you would rate something F3, F4, F5 after the tornado. Um, they are, the tor- storm chasers in this movie are in much riskier situations than like normal storm chasers would put themselves into. Mm-hmm. Like, although apparently from the influence mm-hmm. of like, this movie and some TV shows, there are more people taking risks that maybe they shouldn't, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you like a normal storm chaser, you wouldn't usually drive into a ditch because during a storm, it can get very muddy and your, your car can get trapped and then oh. you're trapped or you're like on foot. Right. And they're getting just like way too close to the tornadoes and the debris. Like they would have died like several times over in real life right? from totally. the flying debris. Cause the flying debris is one of the main sources of like danger in a tornado, the, the speed that it's shooting at you. Right. Oh and, God. and where you should shelter mm-hmm. is something they totally get wrong. So, like, really quickly, I wanted, because we we were doing Twister, I just wanted to do some sort of tornado safety tips really quickly. 
for anybody who doesn't know about what to do in a tornado. <laughs> so like your best case scenario is you go to the basement or an interior room without windows. And if you can, if you can, you could, you should also hide under a sturdy piece of furniture and cover yourself with a blanket or like one guy in this interview said you could put like a colander from your kitchen on your head to work as a helmet or like an actual bike helmet. <laughs> I didn't know that before, okay. but that's well, a bike especially. helmet sounds smart. Yeah. yeah. But especially if you don't have a basement or a good room to shelter in, like those are like added protection. And they said, if you're in mm-hmm. a mobile home, absolutely don't stay in it. They can be picked up. Mm-hmm. Or if you're in a car, don't stay in it. You should find the nearest sturdy building with a basement or interior room. But with cars, like advice has apparently changed over time. Like they used to say, never stay in your car. Like, but if you're in a car and you see that you're far enough from a tornado, you can try to drive away from it. They've said that mm-hmm. they've updated that a little bit. Like, because mm-hmm. the tornadoes, the winds are very fast, but the speed at which the tornado moves across the landscape isn't as fast as the winds necessarily. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. Like the winds within the tornado, maybe they're going 200 miles per hour, but the tornado but it's not could moving be moving very fast. Yeah. Yeah. Like- but the tornado could be moving like 30 miles per hour, 50 miles per hour, but your car, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. depending on if you know which way the tornado is going, you might be able to drive away from it, you know, but if you can't, but they also say don't panic in that situation. Like, like try to, you have to still be able to drive safely or you're just going to get yourself in a car accident. So don't right. do that either. And then if there's no shelters available and you're in a car or mobile home and like, there's no way to move away, um, you should look for a ditch and lay as low and flat as possible and cover your head. And like, apparently the laying flat is because if the air doesn't get under you, it's harder uh-huh. for the tornado to lift you up, which right. I thought was interesting. I didn't know that before. Very interesting. And like, still it, you have to like get your brain to believe that and like practicing your brain, getting out yeah. of the car, laying down in the because it seems so counterintuitive. Like you would want to stay in something to be sheltered, but to n- totally believe that you are actually safer by getting out, laying in a ditch, and laying cover as far your as head. You can, and, cover and cover your, your head. head. Isn't yeah. that cr- yeah? Still and the then, safest thing you could do. And then there's one more situation. They say if you're stuck in a car and like you're in a traffic jam or something, and there's no ditch, then you should. Keep your seatbelt on, duck your head below the windows, and cover yourself with a blanket or jacket. So, yeah, just some tips. <laughs> uh, so terrifying. <laughs> I'm actually, okay, I'm a, I'm a scaredy cat, like, in most cases. But, like, tornadoes to me are, like, one of the most manageable natural disasters there is, are, though. Because there is a warning time. And there's a mm-hmm. general warning time you can get, too, just knowing if there's going to be a severe storm in your area, right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. that gives you an idea. Is this something I should be aware of in general, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you plan your life, like, make sure you live someplace with a basement or know where the nearest place with a basement or low place mm-hmm. to shelter is, like, plan where in your house you would shelter. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. And just, like, have a plan when you're if you're driving in severe weather, just yeah, be aware, be situationally aware, maybe take the exit, you know, if you're about to get into some bad weather and like right. stop somewhere. Yeah. I think you can plan for a tornado. You can't plan for an earthquake, for example, you can have a safety kit, but an earthquake's going to hit when it hits, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So st- a little bit about storm chaser subculture. I didn't go too deep into this and you guys can add anything that you learned about it, but I learned a little bit about the subculture. So Twister kind of increased the profile and popularity of storm chasers but storm chasing has been going on since at least 1956. Like that when that was when the first high profile storm chaser, David Hoadley, he was operating in North Dakota. And then in the fifties and sixties, a guy named Neil B. Ward was doing like research storm chasing in Oklahoma. And um, there's a lot of reasons people chase storms. Like 
some of them are scientists. Um, some of them are just getting footage, like either for themselves, the internet, or local news stations, maybe to sell it. And um, yeah, just a variety of people doing it. Um, but the people who are doing it for science are mostly working for like official government organizations, universities, or research labs. Like it's hard to get useful information without being connected to something like that. And it says most storm chasers do not make money at storm chasing. Mm. And uh, interestingly, I found out the National Weather Service has a program called Skywarn, and they offer storm spotter training. So people who want to like be people who will report on what's going on with storms in their area, they train mm. you on safety and different things to look for. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I feel like maybe I want, there's an online module too. So I'm thinking maybe I'll do that someday. That might be interesting. <laughs> And um, I'll put that in the show notes, by the way, uh, to that, a link to that if you're interested. And then on the more recreational side, you can take storm chaser tours in some parts of the country. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't link it to any of those, but you can just look that up if you're interested. And it's, apparently there's only one instance known of where storm chasers dying from being killed by the tornado. In 2013, three storm chasers were killed by the tornado in El Reno, Oklahoma. I think that was that really long, like the really wide tornado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And otherwise though, a lot of storm chasers who have died have died in car accidents, like we said before. And I thought this was really sweet. When Bill Paxton died, a big bunch of storm chasers got together and they honored him by spelling out his initials using their GPS locations. Because like he was so important, you know, that movie was so important to Storm Chaser culture and like like his role was obviously so prominent. So, yeah. And then in passing, like, I just want to say, I feel like this is a pretty feminist film in terms of like, um, you got some strong female doctor roles in the movie. And like, I like that Joe's a tomboy. I like that she's very competent. Like I was, she was a character I admired when I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And, and and watching it again, I admire Melissa, too, for different reasons, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's not so brave, but she's got soft skills. She's got good emotional skills. And, and she's a doctor, too. You know, she's helping people mm-hmm. in her own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if I saw it remade, I'd probably want more women characters. But, you know, that's a quibble, you know? Overall, most storm chasers are dudes in real life. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so what about you guys? What are your, some of your, like, favorite scenes in the movie? Or favorite shots, even like like I said, I love the when the tornado is ripping through the drive-in screen with uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that is iconic. That scene, the whole drive-in scene, I I like. Um, I kind of like the the panned out shots of showing like the the convoys of like their ramshackle like <laughs> piece together, yeah. like trucks and like vans or whatever that the that Joe's team has. I, I really like okay. those scenes for some reason because it I guess it to me it kind of showed what real quote unquote like scientists it's what their conditions are actually like. Like you said, yeah. they don't most people who study this stuff, like they're not they're not in it to be rich. They're yeah. in it because they love what they're doing. And I and I think that's the the reality of it. And it's nice to see that and see how happy they are, even if they're not making a lot of money. And I know that they kind of talked about that contrast with, you know, Jonas and doing it for corporate money, whatever that means. Um but I, I just really enjoyed that and that there's like a lot more to these careers than making money, that it is about yeah. camaraderie and yeah. being a part of a team. Yeah, I think the movie showed that really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I like when they're all playing the different music and like to kind of like and, and being so psyched about that tornado. I can't remember which tor- first tornado, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
see. Are there any other scenes I super love? I mean, everyone loves the cow scene, right? The water spot tornado. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I did that. like when he said, it's like the sisters. Their sisters are <laughs> like whatever he sisters. said. Yeah, like, you've got sisters. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my other favorite thing is every line delivery from Bill Paxton. Like, seriously. He just chews the scenery sometimes in a good way. And I, and then how about um, favorite tornadoes? Like, is which tor- Okay, you have to pick one. Which is your favorite tornado? Tornado. I'm water spout. I'm the water tornado because I think it looks <sighs> so cool and unexpected at the time. Like when I saw the movie, I didn't know tornadoes could look like that. So that's like made a big impression on me. And I thought it was mm-hmm. beautiful looking, but scary too. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. tornado. I don't know. Maybe the first one. I I don't really know. I guess I don't I didn't really think about it. Would be my favorite. The I really didn't, one I in the didn't like the last one because it was so over over the top, and I was like, oh god. My my suspension of disbelief was waning. For I mean, sure. the tornado itself could be like that. Them surviving yeah. that tornado could not be like that. But that is right. an actual like accurate. Like there is a tornado. They have. A, I've seen footage of a real tornado that picked up a semi, for example, and you can mm-hmm. see the semi in the air. So like the tornado That's itself crazy. is real enough. But yeah, yeah. Sophia, I think I like the the one that's hiding in the hills. Ah, the sneaky Kinda, I like that scenery for whatever. Like, I like the trees yeah. and the sky, and I just think that's be- a beautiful shot. Yeah, and I like the emotional stuff that happens in that scene, too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, favorite character, like two, pick two, because I don't want to be predictable here. My favorites are Joe and Dusty. Yeah, I like Joe. Who's your second? Actually, do I have a second? Um, pick a second. Meg. Aunt Meg. Wait. Oh, Aunt Meg. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. She's a cool yeah, chick. A good one. Well, now you took them all. I did like the Jonas character. Like, I don't know, for some reason, <laughs> it just cracked me up. And I was like, what was, you know, Carrie Owls, how do you pronounce it? Carrie Elwes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Carrie Elwes. Like, what was his, like, perspective of like reading that script like he was like oh yeah this is for me like i know how i'm gonna play this guy <laughs> yeah you know he's i mean a he's little, like, over the bad top. guys yeah he's yeah. Played some bad guys. yeah he's good yeah like smarmy <laughs> over the top yeah and i don't yeah. know if you guys noticed too i mean not that it's a favorite character but at some point part of jonas's team like there's a busey in there like i saw him wait what i don't know which uh-huh, busey do you know gary busey jake busey the wait, buseys i didn't know he had relatives no no, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Maybe it was a thing that like I clung to like in the, the <laughs> 90s or in my youth, but wow. like all the movies that had Buseys in it, and there was definitely a Busey all right, in all part right. of Whoa. Jonas's crew. Um yeah. But so, I, I mean I like Joe. I thought Joe was a great character. I'm glad you gave some love to the villains too. They need some love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the big question we often ask will Joe and Bill work out? What's gonna happen to them? Are they gonna have a happy marriage or are they going to end up divorced again? I think they make it. All right. Why? Um, well, cause they, they finally got it out. Like this thing with her dad and, and then after this final big storm and now that they've got the, you know, the Dorothy doodads up, you know, the research and stuff like that. I think, Maybe some of her demons have been quelled and they can, you know. Who's going to be in charge of the lab? (laughs) (laughs) Joe. Okay. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Serena, what do you think? 
Um, I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, I think to some extent, I mean, couples who work together, that is a hard dynamic um, to pull off. And not a not a lot of people can do that. I mean, and they kind of showed some of that. Obviously, they both have a passion for what they're doing, which which pulls them together. Um, so I I do see them working out, but it being very stressful, <laughs> like like not necessarily always happy and yeah. not necessarily always um, amicable. I guess. <laughs> and who's going to be in charge of the lab? <laughs> um I, I don't know they love two labs no <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I like that. yeah so i think i think they will work out um i do think like you said i think it could be difficult i think sophia is also right though that they've worked out some of the core issues and i think maybe um joe has learned like what she was missing and that she missed yeah. bill a lot um i think they're gonna need therapy <laughs> maybe Ooh. Melissa can recommend someone. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think like Joe, like they both have to compromise. Like I think Bill, like he, if he wants, he's not going to lead the lab if he wants to be married to Joe. I don't think, um, I don't, I think that would be too touchy of a thing. Cause she's been the one holding it together. Right. Uh-huh. And she would resent him if he was leading the lab. So he's going to have to give on that. But then I think she's going to have to be less of a workaholic because it's kind of implied that like, Bill has a balance and she had a harder time keeping a balance and she would just get too obsessed. So yeah, yeah, I think they're both going to have to make adjustments, but I think they could make it work and have like a little tornado chasing kid in the future. Maybe. (laughs) I I like, I I see that for them. Yeah. Going to hang out with aunt Meg and stuff while they're busy chasing storms. Mm -hmm. Well, in whatever house she eventually gets. I was just going to say, I'm like, oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Aunt Meg's homeless. But she still has a dog. (laughs) True. Yeah. All right. So let's get on then to um, double feature recommendations. So for double feature recommendations, so I recommended three different things. So first I recommend Speed, which we already talked about as another Yon de Bont, like uh, action movie with a considerable romance element. And it's like, what can you not love about this with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock in it and a lot of comedy in it as well. And like Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock just have such good chemistry. I really mm-hmm. like them in The Lake House too, which is a great straight up romance movie. So yeah, big fan of that dynamic. So speed would be one. And then my next pick is 2012. Have you guys seen 2012? No. Oh is my it God. Disa- it's a disaster movie. I it feel like I have. Tell movie. me about it. Okay. Yeah. So it is stars John Cusack. I cannot remember the name of the woman. I should have, I should have written it down, but she's um pretty popular actress too. And like, it's another movie where divorced people are interacting with each other, but they've been divorced for longer. And the wife in this movie is already remarried and there's kids. Right. And like the, the concept of 2012 was that like the world's going to end. I can't even remember what causes the disaster. It's something really convoluted, but it is like the disaster movie to end all disaster movies. Like everything that can explode, blow up, flood, touch on fire does okay it's amazing john cusack plays this like limo driver but he also is an author and he wrote some book that every that is very obscure and like one of the in john cusack's superpower in this movie is just being able to drive through any like earthquake and survive basically (laughs) and he's like rescuing his ex-wife and his kids and her new husband and like they're trying to get to this like location where all the rich people have set up these arcs for when the earth floods or something right it's really wild okay it's amazing but it's also got a romance element and it's like um yeah it's fantastic 
Sorry, I could do a whole essay on 2012 and how much I love it. It was better if you saw it in the movie theater, but it's, it's, it, and if you don't believe Twister, you won't believe 2012 either. Trust me. <laughs> and then um, my third recommendation is Big Love, the TV show. Obviously, you couldn't really do a straight double feature, but I recommend watching it for Bill Paxton's work because it's the one where he is like a Mormon, but like he's holding to the belief in like plural marriage and they're trying to kind of be closeted Mormons like living this Mm -hmm. lifestyle and I think it's a really fascinating show about relationships like whether you are in monogamous or a polygamous or whatever relationship like it has a lot of issues that apply to any relationship so it's an interesting show and great actresses like uh, Chloe Sevigny's in it and oh my god I'm I'm really I should write down all the names of people Jennifer well whatever the other the female cast is great too oh Jennifer Goodwin Goodwin. Mm -hmm. but then I'm gonna be upset because I can't remember the older woman's name who's yeah Janine Triplehorn you know everything thank you Uh, it just came (laughs) to me it just came to me and Janine Triplehorn thank you anyway it's a great show check it out all right um I'm gonna say Apollo 13 well not like a natural disaster film just um you know there's a disaster and um I this is one that when I worked at the movie theater played all the time and I would watch it all the time and I own it and I still watch it. And I think it's just a flawless film and Bill Paxton is in it. He plays one of the main astronauts and I love him in it. Um, okay. And it, right now it's on IMDb, IMDb TV. So you can stream it for free. And then also on IMDb TV, tornado hunters. <laughs> this was actually on Netflix and my husband and I watched it and it's, corny but these dudes are tornado hunters and that's what it's called tornado hunters it's 12 (laughs) episodes of like you know 22 minutes long and um it's just kind of and these are guys who uh tornado chasers because they sell the photographs so it's a documentary series uh, yeah 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 okay docu a docu series so that's if you're wanting to watch more of that. And then, ooh, my third one. I'm going to do something totally weird here. And I'm going to rec- recommend a film I've not seen. It's called The Impossible. Wait, you haven't it's, seen The Impossible? It's a great movie. <laughs> I'm sure it is. But it looks like it would okay. rip my heart out and I okay. would be emotionally mm-hmm. wrecked afterwards. Mm-hmm. Based on the true story of the 2004 Thailand tsunami. It's on Netflix right now. Ewan McGregor, Naomi Watts. It looks beautiful. But this idea of like that shit came out of nowhere and people were not prepared. And mm-hmm. that was a devastating tsunami. So... Mm-hmm. There you go. Natural disaster. How could you not know? How could you not see that coming? I guess you can't. So, Well, yeah, tsunami would be much harder to see coming because like there's an earthquake, but then the tsunami often comes like within what, half an hour of the earthquake. Mm-hmm. And like you can notice like the ocean receding, like that's a sign. But like mm-hmm. a like, lot of people don't know that, or at least before that event, they didn't know that. I think more people are aware now, but yeah. yeah so anyway. there you go. There's my three. I know way too much about national natural disasters. <laughs> apparently oh. all right uh i only have two because i'm a slacker um yeah, whatever whatever <laughs> so i picked the wizard of oz for obvious reasons because there were so many references mm-hmm. i found yeah um everywhere from you know the dog looking exactly like toto in the wizard of oz um to the the machine being called dorothy Mm-hmm. Uh, and having a picture of Dorothy Gale on it or a painting of Dorothy Gale on 
the what what do you, what do we call that the what Just did it do it had, it said, yeah so that that's an obvious one and then the the second I picked was Girls Just Want to Have Fun, just because I was trying to think back. Um, it was really the era of Helen Hunt, I wanted huh. to say, like during the 80s and like early early to late 90s. Like she was everywhere. She was in everything. And she was kind of like the the every woman or every girl, I felt. Yeah, she um, still this, is, really. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think That's of her brand. seeing her much. I don't actually well, see her much she's anymore. She's still in stuff. She's, she's oh, definitely okay. still in stuff. But like, yeah, I think that's her brand, the every woman, the every girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she kind of played the rebellious friend in Girls Just Want to Have Fun um, that came out in 1985. So that was like the first time I remember ever seeing Helen Hunt. So um hmm. that's why i put that i still haven't there. seen that i want to see that one yeah really oh. yeah i, I think i would have thought that was right up your alley i know right but yeah i didn't i probably just watched bill and ted's too many times or all the john hughes movies, whatever. <laughs> cool. right well, well good recommendations and like good talking with both of you guys today yeah. and um if all goes well we should be coming back at you next time with wet hot american summer which will be concluding our very brief summer series Sorry, it's so brief, guys. Hopefully, I'll get some more stuff out for you in the fall. And just like, um, remember, you can find us at everyromcom.com. And please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, anything else? Stay right. safe. Yeah, yeah stay safe. <laughs> and listen to your tornado <laughs> sirens when they go off and take shelter, everybody. Exactly. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.